WABC New York and 1071 WLIR FM Hampton Bays. Oh, this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Governor Kathy Hochul is at the White House for a much-anticipated meeting with the president's chief of staff. The state's migrant situation is central to that discussion. Well, as all centered on migrants, the two-and-a-half-hour meeting with the White House was a follow-up to the letter I sent to the president less than a week ago, and I want to make sure they understood the urgency behind that letter calling for more federal action. This is a federal problem. It originates with the borders, and it is something that is becoming an untenable situation for our constituents and our government leaders in New York State. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue what? of immigration than anybody else. He really has. You moron! We're going to take you right to the president. He's at FEMA headquarters. Well, I don't know why I'm paying attention to these few guys up here. So everybody, all kidding aside, huh? my, my mother would say, I apologize for my back. I apologize. <laughs> There's still some deniers out there. In terms of uh, whether or not climate change has anything to do with any of this. And uh, we're going to need a whole hell of a lot more money to deal with emergency appropriations to deal with all you're taking care of. A fourth not guilty plea from the former president, Donald Trump, this one in Georgia. He waived a court appearance and a formal arraignment in the 2020 election interference case. By doing so, avoids having to enter his plea on camera. Although the judge affirmed that all of the trials for Trump and his co-defendants will be live streamed and televised. Just like the early morning raid of Mar-a-Lago. Why isn't the DOJ raiding crooked Joe Biden's house? Why aren't they raiding his phones? He's the most corrupt and incompetent president in the history of the United States. That's the one they should be looking at. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump. Matt, love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida, but you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon.
You tell him, Clarence, friend of mine. Friend of mine, Clarence Clemens, the former great saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. One of uh, his own songs right here. This is a great song. You know who else is you know who else is on <laughs> singing with? I'm gonna go with um, Jackson Brown. Val Bingo. Is that right? That is. I took correct. a complete guess. I have no idea. Okay. Well, you're looking good, and your your, your brain's functioning. Yes, right, yes. I am uh, dressed nice today. 1985. Believe that. Is it, what's that now? 1985. 1985. This song is already almost 40 years old. <laughs> Jesus. So I uh, today I've got these uh, Joseph Abood gay. Um, Moccasins on, but oh, they're I gorgeous. I didn't. See you didn't down. see those. I didn't look down. I'm, well, there's I'm, some was... peach in these moccasins because I'm wearing white pants, a peach button-down shirt, and a beautiful blue sport jacket that I got uh, from Anthony at the garage in Brooklyn. So I'm a little. Um, I'm dressed up today. I got a nice tan. I shaved. Had a great workout yesterday. And why all this? Why today? Well, because today is Trump Day. And Trump Day on Sid and Friends in the morning is always a big deal. Now, President Trump on for the second time in uh, three months. Remember the last time he was on, you played that cut right at the end of the open put together by Justin this morning. He said, you are number one, you're a great friend, and we'll talk to you soon. And he's a man of his word. I would say that with his busy schedule between... Truth Social and getting his message out, campaigning and getting sued and arrested, that uh, twice in three months is damn good. Wouldn't you say that, Lewis? Hello, Sid. <laughs> yeah, hello, Sid. Play that again. That's um, this company. Was a good job by uh, the kid John Kane. You don't know who he is. It doesn't matter. we got a really good sales staff here. Leslie Slender, Hall of Famer. And uh, Lisa Orban, Hall of Famer, Jimmy Incorvaya, great. And I don't want to leave anybody out. Jack Cahill, and they're all great. All these folks are great. But this kid, John Kane, has been smoking for this show. Mickey sold our title sponsorship for the best of show on Saturdays, which gets huge ratings. Huge. And then he sold this uh, conversation today. Play this. This is uh, coming up at 840. Coming up at 8.40 a.m., Sid Rosenberg talks with Donald Trump. Hello, Sid. On Hello, Sid, Sid. Friends in the Morning, <laughs> listen on the radio and download the 77 WABC app. Sponsored by Arisent.com. Enterprise cybersecurity that works. Arisent.com. So if you would have gone with my full name, President Trump, it would have sounded an awful lot like the killer in the movie Scream. Of course, uh, there was a lot of them. But Nev Campbell, when he said, because she played Sydney, hello, Sydney. Oh, I got gotcha, you. Yes. Okay. This is the way he said it. It was kind of. Um, hello, Sydney. Yeah, hello, hello, Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> hello, Sydney. Hello, Sydney. I'm back again. You know, look, I, I think when he first called in three months ago, I had not spoken to President Trump since he did the show with me and Bernard. He did love Bernie, and they were friendly. And Bernie did a really good job by getting him on with us all the way back, I believe, in 2000. What year did we take over for Imus? I forgot. Uh, uh, 18. 18. So we take over for Imus on a Monday morning in 2018, and that Friday, five days into week one, Bernard got Trump on. But then for the next four years, he couldn't get him on. 
And every day he'd be, I love Trump, Trump's the man. I go, Bernie, I'm glad you love him. I love him, too. It's been four years. He never came back on. And I remember that there was a thought, at least, that he didn't come back on because he didn't love me. Although during that conversation with Bernard back in uh, 2018, if you remember, I started out the interview by saying, Mr. President Trump, Mr. Trump, I want you to know I didn't vote for you. But, but, unlike everybody else, see, people like Bernard loved you when you came down the escalator. That was never going to change. And people like Noam hated you when you came down the escalator. And that was never going to change. I said, me, I'm an adult. I voted against you. I didn't think you ran all that great a campaign. You're going to build a wall. You wore a stupid hat. You're going to nickname all these people. And how the hell are you going to run this country? And we were in bad shape. For you folks out there that idolize Barack Obama, let me say this nicely. You're a moron. Obama was a horrible president. Not bad. Horrible. The economy moved at a snail's pace. And for the first African-American president ever, that's when all the race troubles started. Don't forget, Ferguson, Missouri, Michael Brown, Obama. Freddie Gray, Baltimore, Obama. Eric Garner, Staten Island, Obama. BLM was born under Obama. He sucked. He spoke nicely, very funny at the White House dinners. And what a pussy. Oh, my God. Well, what do you mean? They killed Osama bin Laden. So what? He didn't do it. He was sitting in a room with Hillary Clinton eating bagels. But Robert O'Neill, who's got to stop drinking, by the way, he's got to stop drinking. Every time he came on the show with me and Bernie, he was like thrown off an airplane. And he got arrested last week in Texas. But he's the guy that put the bullet between bin Laden's eyes, not Obama. And by the way, Bush's people helped out with that tremendously. He sucked. Obama. And now I have no idea why I even brought him up. <laughs> why did he even bring up Barack Obama? You're not even listening, you two guys. You just no. We, we, it's like, actually so funny. We were. I was simultaneously telling him about Robert O'Neill's arrest yeah, as got, you were saying it. Yeah, we there. need to get him on. Robert loves those. Anyway, long story short, he um, he. Uh, I told him that I I didn't vote for him, but that as an adult I watched him, and it took me a couple of months to come to the really shocking realization that he was a great president, not good, great in my lifetime. And I said this often, it's Trump and Reagan. Maybe not in that order because Reagan was a two-term president. Maybe Donald has to win again, but those two guys. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. That's a lot of presidents. And I like Clinton, too, that first term. Second term was a mess. But I watched this guy become a great president, and I told him that. And he spent most of the interview with me and Bernard going back to that point. He loved that. He's like, look, I turned him around, Bernie. I turned him around. But I still felt like he didn't love me, I got to tell you. But uh, things have changed. Things have changed because this show blows out everybody else in this market, in this genre. I'm not beating Boomer and Geo, okay? I am in 12 plus, but not in um, man, whatever the stupid 25 to 45 or what I don't even know what they do anymore who cares but this is this is the show this is it 
Ask Mark Simone. No one's more jealous of me than Simone, and he's my friend. I love Mark Simone. I gotta, I gotta love what you're doing over there. It's crazy. I gotta, how did you get some of the, well, I know because I had dinner with him the other night, so I don't have to ask that. Yeah, I, I still haven't made up my mind about that dinner, talking about dinner for Tuesday night with Kantrowitz and, um, Carlucci and Patterson and Simone and Gasparino. We'll get to that later. So, um, Trump now loves me. His own daughter-in-law, Lara, texted me on Saturday and said, my father-in-law loves you. And when you got the the loudest voice, the number one show in New York City, and, and look, Trump has soured on New York, and he's right. He's right. Everybody who loved him here, all his friends, every one of them have stabbed him in the back, all of them. This poor bastard, you got the DA, who's a racist, Trying to take him down every day. You got the uh, the AG, who's a bigger racist. I mean, Letitia James, on and on about Trump lying about his actual worth. God, who cares? Who cares? You can't walk the streets in this city without the possibility of getting murdered. <laughs> and she's worried about that? They all stabbed him in the back. How many buildings in New York City? Went out of their way to rip his name off the facade. So he soured on New York, I get it. But listen, he can live in Florida for a 100 years. Donald Trump is New York. He's New York City. Bottom line. I urge all of you to watch The American Dream on Netflix. A lot of you already have. It was six years ago. They made it in 2017. I just came across it about a month ago. It is great. And it takes you right back to the 70s and 80s. And I'll tell you, it was with Trump a lot, Cindy Adams, our very own Cindy Adams, who covered all of his moves in the New York Post. But go back and watch that. Donald Trump, he ain't Mar-a-Lago. He's New York City. He's one of us. He's one of us. That's how I think of Donald Trump, one of the most colorful characters. And now, at this point, like it or not, one of the most powerful people and most recognizable people in the history of this country from New York City. We used to have this argument with folks when Muhammad Ali was still alive. Ali is the most recognizable person in the world. Michael Jordan, I believe, had that status. I think right now you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody, not wealth, recognizability more recognizable than Donald Trump. You can make the absolute argument Donald Trump is the most recognizable person in the world. Is that fair to say, Lou? I would say, and then a close second would be Dominic Carter. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yes. <laughs> I'm with that. Yes, Dominic <laughs> Carter. Right behind right, right there. Right there. Very got, good point out of you. Justin and Thurman, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I like the travel. Dominic Carter. Then Mark Simone, of course, because yeah, right. he's, right he's eating dinner with the prime minister. Yes, he is. Hey, I, I know a great place that has <laughs> this great Thai food. Charlie Gasparino's well, top ten easily. Yeah. Charlie Gasparino. He went to dinner with him, too. Yeah. Uh, I know the president, uh, Trump, had a, a newsworthy day yesterday, I guess over Zoom. He wasn't in court. He uh, sent in his uh, not guilty status in Georgia. Noam, tell me the latest, because you said, I love the way you did it in the news show this morning, after the big day for Donald Trump yesterday, who joined Sid Rosenberg at 840, 
what exactly was the big news? Is it, that it? it? It really isn't that big. It's all sort of legal maneuverings about this indictment in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, and uh, just some of the things you have to do to process through this whole indictment. And so um, they filed this waiver for his formal arraignment and entered the plea. But actually, Sid, the more interesting story maybe out of Georgia is that Republicans there are trying to remove, uh, impeach Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. And uh, Georgia's governor, who is a Republican, may stand in the way of that. So there's a little battle going back and forth in Georgia. He's another backstabber. That governor, Jack Kemp, not Jack Kemp, Brian Kemp, right? Jack Kemp was a politician at one point and um, I believe a quarterback in the National Football League for the Vikings and the Bills. But um, Trump was his guy. And he turned his back on Trump, too. You remember early on during COVID, it wasn't DeSantis in Florida. The guy we were all praising, all of us, for keeping his state open for business was Brian Kemp in Georgia. But things went bad quickly (laughs) between Trump and Kemp, and now Kemp doesn't like him and Trump likes him less. But he's another one of those guys that Donald Trump, like DeSantis, helped make, and then they turned their backs on him. No. They did. Yeah. You're okay with that, because... I don't care about what Trump. You're okay with that. You're okay with people. Um, I'm just here to yeah, report but... the news. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no bias here. I, I love. I written, love no. Written yeah. above his computer. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what was like <laughs> that was um, you know this uh, kid Connell McShane. Right. Yeah. So he replaced Charles McCord. He did. And he did a very good job. And he's a lovely guy. I love Connell. And we were very very friendly. Now he's doing some stuff at WFAM. Believe it or not. But he was like you. You know, he'd come on, he would do the news, and he was also a liberal working on a very conservative show with guys like Bernie who loved Trump. And every now and then he would show his true colors, you know, like you do. And uh, we'd have to call him out. And he worked at Fox Business. Yeah. the Fox News guy. And he had no love for Trump or any of these people. But he was able to fool them for years. And only recently did he leave. I don't know what happened. Well, who knows, but. He was exactly like you, brilliant, great news guy, funny, loyal, all the qualities that make you a great guy. But he was living a lie just like you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I love it when it's rough. Is that fair? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, is that fair? You don't see the similarities between Connell McShane and Noam Lane? I I see them exactly as you do. Right. There's there are certain guys that Noam is this good because when you can't tell some well I know at least we can tell with right. Noam. No, we can tell because we can we're tell in the business we, and we right. know him very well. Right. But you know right. if you're on the air yeah. and well sorry, we, we see the letters he gets in the mail from Antifa at yeah. the station. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you missed the dinner the other night. I have my hoodie. Right. I'm going with, with Simone. He's going with George Soros. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Hey, why is he calling me again? I can't believe it. I don't believe it. But no, exactly the but, same. Yes, but there's some guys. Connell was that good that you sometimes you couldn't tell where yeah, he was. It's true. And that's that's when you could tell they're doing a good job. But totally if you agree. push them like you like to push them, sure. you're like, Don't blame on, you, me. No, no, no. I would never blame you. I no. do the work of the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I love it when it's rough. <laughs> all right, we're just getting started. Already, that's the best 18 minutes of radio you're going to hear all day, I promise you. I promise you that. I think, I think Justin's gone for the morning. <laughs> but it's going to get better, folks, because uh, as we do every weekday, the great Curtis Sliwa, he'll stop by at 7.05. Andrew Giuliani. Coming up at 7.40, his father, Rudy Giuliani, coming up at 9.10. The great Neil Diamond. No, not Neil Diamond, but Dave Jacobson, who does the best Neil Diamond show in New York. He'll join us with Peter Gordio coming up at 9.30. Maybe my mom. And, of course, the big one coming up at 8.40 this morning, President Donald J. Trump. It's a Trump Friday on Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. You've had an accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Too Much Heaven. Great song here by the Bee Gees. And on this Trump Day at 6.30 on your Friday morning, Labor Day weekend, we want to wish Barry Gibb, the great Barry Gibb, a happy birthday. Is he the only one left? I know Robin's dead. I know Andy's he's, dead. He's left. Maurice, think, is he still alive? Uh, let's check. I he may right be the only here. one. The other two are definitely dead. Maurice is gone. Two thousand three. So they're all they're all dead except for Barry. I think. Yeah. Let's see. No, I know for a fact that. Okay. Yeah. There, when, Robin's gone, and Andy's long gone. Stop pressuring. You know me. who killed Andy Gibb, don't you? Uh. Olivia? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. Goes I'm back kidding. to a show. Who shot Jr.? What? Oh, Larry Hagman. Well, he, he played Jr. Yeah. The show was Dallas. Oh. But who was on that show that really killed Andy Gibb? He did a lot of cocaine. He OD'd. That's why he died. But who was the woman that sent him spiraling out of control? Um, oh. Uh, Come on. Uh, he was with... He wasn't with Olivia Newton-John, right? No. no they hosted no, a show no, together, no. I think. Uh, the um, answer is... Oh, hold on. Wait. Uh, 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 it was... Um, Let me ask you this. She, it was one of the two... Who's in charge of the school? Pam, who, it was Pam Ewing. She no, Pam, no, no, right? stop it. Who's in charge of the school? Yeah, she did play Pam Ewing, I think, actually. Okay, well, you, you're not... Yeah. You're who, yet, but like but that's not her name. I know that. I'm trying to get... Who's her. in charge of the school? When you go to school, who's in charge? Oh, Victoria Prince. Hey! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I started listening to you finally. <laughs> you got there. Anthony uh, Barbarese checks in. We go to the same tanning salon. She was, she was beautiful. <laughs> he goes, one of the best openings ever. Your team chemistry is really entertaining. 10 out of 10. And you, Sid, already on fire this morning. Great start to my day. And Olga, we love Olga Pizzamenti. She checks in. She says, oh, my God, the first hour is always my favorite it sets the tone for the whole show. Thank you, Olga. We are going to talk to Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05, and I've got a, a little story here in the Rockaway Times where they mentioned me and Curtis uh, during our uh, protesting last week, the two protests we did Tuesday and Thursday in Brooklyn. I'll get to that with Curtis. But the governor, this wench, Kathy Hochul, why was she talking yesterday, uh, Justin? Why, why, what did she do? She went to the uh, White House. Was it not two days ago? I think, but she like uh, talked about oh, it. Oh, talked about yeah. it. And uh, she went to the White House to talk to Joe Biden. Well, she sent that letter to Biden uh, last week, uh, yeah. followed up with this trip to the White House, um, and sat with Biden's top brass. Biden was not in attendance. Top ass. Top brass. Oh, brass. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Biden wasn't there, uh-huh. obviously. Yeah, he, sh- he shined her. He was, you know, yeah. whatever, in his PJs. Well, uh, Hochul yesterday finally, uh, I guess... Called out Mayorkas. He is the, I guess, the uh, Homeland Security Director. Yeah, she didn't really call him out. She just said he was there. Oh, he was there? Yeah. Well, play it anyway. At least she mentioned his name. Kathy Hochul. Cut number nine, Lewis. Number nine. Secretary of Homeland Security, Ali Mayorkas, was there. Oh. Uh, as well as a number of his senior team members who have been working really hard to respond to our letter. And so I'm, I'm glad that they took it seriously. That's important. But I walked out of there with a sense they are committed. They understand that a lot of time has passed and that this situation has only grown more dire. We have 3,000 people arriving last week alone, and our shelter system is overflowing. Ay, ay, ay. So they keep talking about letting the migrants work. I got to tell you, I couldn't think of a worse idea. Just when you thought these stupid son of a bitches couldn't get dumber, they just did. Hochul and Adams. 
Why would you want to incentivize more of these people to come if you just said we've run out of room? Just think about that for a second, how stupid. But here's the deal. They're liars. Hochul's a liar. Adams is lying to you. They want him here because they mean votes. So once again, yesterday, Hochul talking about let the migrants work. This is a cut number 11. I reinforced my message, which I said back with labor leaders and government leaders and business leaders and the mayor back in May. Let them work. Find a path so these individuals can get what they came here for, the ability to be independent out of the shelters, as well as that humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. can be converted into a solution right. for the other crisis Makes we're experiencing worse. in Shut New up. York. You give it a okay. So then the mayor, he, he's uh, talking yesterday, Adams, about the American dream. He's very good with abstracts, Eric Adams. Very good with abstracts. Of course, practicality and living in New York City, that's become almost impossible. But here's Adams. Explaining to us, mind you, about the American dream. Cut number 14. Imagine if that right was stripped away from you. I don't care if you were the early Irish, early Italians, uh, the early Jews, the early Japanese, the early, the early, the early. No matter who you are, where you came from, you came here to pursue the American dream. Don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me. Early, 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 early. No, no, he's right about that. But again, Eric... Again, Eric, they all came. You're right, from all those places. And they went to Ellis Island. Yeah, hello. And they did it legally. They did it legally. And by the way, we had room for them then, an opportunity. Things change. If I hear one more time about what your grandparents did, I don't give a rat's ass. My grandparents, too. They came from Russia. They came from Poland. It's different evolved it's not the same we don't have the room don't have the money and the worst part of all again is they're illegals asylum seekers i mean yeah i guess if you're in africa this morning darfur i understand i'm not cold-hearted but you gotta do it the right way continuing to bring up the american dream and my grandparents is lazy and stupid And as Flounder once said, the great Stephen First in the movie Animal House, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. And that's my message to Hochul and Adams on this Friday morning. All right, we got traffic coming up next with Lori Blanchard and our dear friend, we love this guy, Bill White, who is very, very, very close with Donald Trump, Mr. Intrepid himself. Bill White is going to call in at 645. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Rita Cosby. And here Rita talks about Joe Biden and his response in Hawaii. So why does he keep kind of going back to this same story? First, it's a small kitchen fire. Then the whole thing almost burned to the ground. Now it's half of it burned to the ground. And by all reports, 
It was about a 15, maybe 20 minute, they said at the most, kitchen fire that stayed in the kitchen. And he makes it sound like it's the be all end all. So how can you understand their pain when they've gone through such horrible disaster? And then he starts using it again for politics, going about climate change. How inappropriate. That's not the moment to start bringing in politics. It's like after shootings, he starts talking immediately about gun control. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick, indeed, here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontanklets.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers out in Detroit. It was the Yankees falling in the finale against the Tigers by a score of 4-3 in 10 innings after a costly throwing error by Glaber Torres. Anthony Volpe, one of the few bright spots in the worst Yankees season in three decades. He became the 15th rookie with a 20-homer, 20 20-stolen 20 base season, and the first Yankee to accomplish the feat with a clutch three-run homer in the ninth to tie things up for a brief moment at three. Ahead of yesterday's loss, the Yanks announced their plans to promote prospects outfielder Jason Dominguez and catcher Austin Wells when rosters do expand today. We'll see if they'll be a part of the action this weekend when the Yanks take on the Astros at Houston. Game 1 of 3 is set for tonight at 8.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Carlos Rodon get the start against a familiar face in Justin Verlander. As for the Mets, they took a day off yesterday, but they get set to welcome in the Mariners tonight at 7.10 p.m. for the first of three over the weekend with Seattle. Kodai Senga will take the hill against a starter yet to be named for Seattle. And staying out in Queens, Tennis' U.S. Open does continue today, um, and that'll get action, I should say, will get underway at 11 a.m. this morning in college football to look forward to this weekend. Top 10 action starting at noon tomorrow. It's East Carolina at number 2 Michigan. Michigan's 36-point favorites in that one. 30 tomorrow p.m. Number 3, Ohio State will kick it off in Indiana. Ohio State are 30-point favorites there. 6 p.m. tomorrow night, UT Martin at number 1 Georgia, 7.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Middle Tennessee at number 4 Alabama, the Crimson Tide. 39-point uh, favorites in that one. And Sunday, the big game of the weekend, 7.30 p.m., number 5, LSU, two-point favorites at number 8, Florida State. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida, but you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon.
selection here by Lou Rufino. That was President Trump once again, if you haven't heard, will join me in about two hours. President Trump live with me coming up at 8.40 this morning. So Louie picks this song, Billy Idol, White Wedding, because my next guest's name is White. And he's White. Bill White. (laughs) Joining us. uh, I don't know if he's in Georgia or Florida. I don't know. He, of course, uh, ran that intrepid fund for so many years. And he's a very, very, very close friend of President Trump. And boy, did he run roughshod on my Instagram page. You can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He ran roughshod on Judge Napolitano late last night. Bill White, I love you, pal. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. How are you? And Lou has got a great sense of humor. It's a Bill Doesn't White he? wedding day. Where are you this morning? Are you in Buckhead, Georgia? Are you in Florida? Where are you? Well, I hate to say it. This used to be the once former great state of Georgia, but we are now in the uh, in the cesspool of Atlanta. You know, used to be one of the great cities in our country, and now is the laughing stock. Once again, with this uh, sham witch hunt prosecution of a former president for another perfect phone call. You know, I thought for some reason I saw a picture. It's early in the morning. I'm tired. But I thought I saw a picture weeks ago of you and your husband. And I thought it said now officially here in the state of Florida. So you didn't move. You're still in crappy Georgia, I guess. Yes. Well, actually, we have our summer house here in, in Georgia, which is up on a beautiful North Georgia lake called Lake Burton. And it's a beautiful place. Got to have you and Lou and the team down here celebrating the 102nd anniversary of WABC. We can go out in the pontoon boat, the jet skis and do a little redneck stuff. And, Love that. Uh, it would be great. No, but I'm a Florida resident now, uh, officially. We, uh, we, we actually are down here. I'm excited to vote for President Trump. Uh, in the primary to defeat Ron DeSantis uh, in his own state, and I'm looking forward to that. So how it works, I guess, Bill, because, again, you're very close with Trump, and, uh, you know, Lara and Eric lived here, and Kimberly and Donald Jr. lived here. So are we at the point now where if you're very close with Trump, you have to move to Florida? Is that part of the deal? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's it's in the fine print. (laughs) It's in the fine print when you sign on the dotted line. Could be worse. yeah, yeah this, this this is where you go, where it's safe, you know, where freedom reigns. Um, I, I hate to say it like that. You know, you're in New York. I, I used to love New York. I ran the Intrepid Museum for 20 years. Um, we had the, the greatest times in New York. And New York now is a place where, you know, you, we're, we're not defunding the police, saying it publicly, but we're still doing it. And crime is out of control. The homeless are running rampant. Uh, we have major problems here. But, you know, this is something very important to talk about, Sid. And I know you have President Trump coming on. We are at a we are at a place of uh, peril in this country. We have the greatest country on earth, but we are teeter-tottering uh, with this prosecution of President Trump. It is election interference. And I want to tell you this, you know, I want everyone who listens to your great voice in this show to know uh, that here in Fulton County, we have a DA 
Funny Willis. I call her Funny Willis. I love that. And she is absolutely uh, uh, violating her oath of office. She's charging Trump, America's mayor, the greatest prosecutor in the history of the United States, Rudolph W. Giuliani, a Lutheran priest, and all of Trump's lawyers for what's called a RICO Act violation. Right? These are these are the things that Rudy prosecuted the mafia for. And while she's doing that, she is not prosecuting 250 murderers, rapists, gangbangers, drug dealers, sex traffickers. And you know what she's doing it? She's doing it under the cover of the support of the Republican governor of Georgia. He's a disgrace to this state. Brian Kemp, Fonnie Willis, Chris Carr, the attorney general. They're actually engaging in a RICO racketeering concerted effort to interfere with the election. Yeah, I, I did see you on Rumble yesterday, and I would, I would have played it, but it's a 13-minute piece. But you were great, and you're talking about just that, Brian Kemp. And I was explaining to my guys early on, he's another one of those guys, kind of like DeSantis, right? I mean, no one knew who Ron DeSantis was. Donald Trump goes out there, talks to DeSantis. Next thing you know, he beats, uh, you know, that guy in Florida, and he becomes a governor. Now he's a rock star. Same thing with Brian Kemp. Donald Trump made Kemp in Georgia, too, and he comes back and stabs him in the back, too. Well, what's with these governors that Donald Trump seemingly makes, and then one day they wake up and think they don't need him anymore? What is that all about? Well, I think, I think it's uh, ego, it's uh, delusional aspirations, and then it's these ridiculous uh, sycophants. These are these hanger-oners that are their advisors. And all they see, you know, is red meat. They see power. They see access to money. Uh, they see the opportunity. Look, the people raising money for DeSantis, they're making tens of millions of dollars on, you know, wonderful Americans who are thinking, okay, maybe Ron DeSantis, you know, is the guy, and they're donating. And all they're doing is taking these people's uh, money, right? Uh, so money, power, greed, all comes into play. And what is lost in this is disloyalty, dishonor, um, friendship. I mean, Trump basically went out of his way. DeSantis was not winning the primary. He was he was he was so far down in the primary against a very popular Republican, who was a big Trump supporter. But Trump made the bet on DeSantis. And then he carried through in the primary. Yep. And then we all know what happened in the what, general. Was that and then uh, the guy turns on him and says, turns you know, on him. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Was that Charlie Crist? Was he still a Republican back then? I don't remember when he switched to um, Democrat. I, 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 get, I get confused. He, Me he too. Back and forth. Yeah. Like, I was gay. I was straight. He was well, him too. Now, no, him yeah, too. There, it, there, were, there were rumors, uh, alleged rumors that Charlie Crist also, like you, was gay. He was straight. Was gay. He was straight. Which does bring yeah. me to your attack. Your unprovoked attack to my dear friend, <laughs> Judge Napolitano, yesterday. And you yeah. wrote on my Instagram page, he said on this show, and he says it all the time, that he believes the four indictments, specifically two and four, the documents and Georgia, are very bad and could absolutely result in jail time. And long story short, you saw the video they put up yesterday from our conversation and uh, you called him a hack, I think, said, come out of the climbing I don't <laughs> and, and when I saw it at 3.30 this morning, I couldn't text you quick enough. And here you are. Uh, so. you, 
Yeah, well, th- well, thank you. I mean, look, Judge Napolitano, uh, give me a break. I love these uh, judicial scholars who come on and sound like uh, like like they know the code to what the jury is going to think. Look, all you need is one juror in Fulton County, and I'm sure there is one juror. And I bet you it's going to be someone that you'd not even imagine that we're going to find out later. They're going to say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's just go vote. Why do we have to interfere with this election by putting Donald Trump uh, as a convicted felon. He's going to win all of these cases, Sid, on appeal. So even if he gets convicted, I could give a crap. If he gets, look, his support has gone through the roof. Now, Napolitano has been uh, bashing Trump for whatever reason. He's kissing Rupert Murdoch's ass, or he's kissing uh, Fox News' ass, but he's not uh, effective out there. And what he's saying sounds like very contemptuous, yeah. And well, and what's oh, funny, you know, let me tell you what's funny about that is, and I happen to like the judge. I love Trump, too. You know, I love you. He's a nice guy. But, nice guy. But he, he prefaces everything he says. I swear, you got to listen one day live with, I love Trump. We've been friends for years. I've known Donald Trump forever. I love him. And then he lame base him like he did there. You know, he's going to jail. Uh, but he does preface it by saying <laughs> how much he loves Donald Trump. When Trump hears something like that, I love him, but. Does Trump yeah. care about the preface, or is he more concerned with what's said afterwards? Oh, no, he cares about everything. And with friends like that, who the hell needs enemies? <laughs> I mean, uh, come, come on, Donald Trump, look, we, you and I know this. I'm so excited to listen to your interview. And wow, what, is, what, a, what a wonderful win for you, Sid. It's a, it's a testament you. to you that he's coming on your show Thank you. to talk to you. Who the hell needs to, to have Napolitano or Bill White on? You have President Trump oh, on. Oh, no. no. You're, 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 you're a rock star. I mean, I love, and I've loved you for, for so many years from, you know, from the old Imus days on the Intrepid from when that plane crashed. You know, Bill, I'll tell you a, a crazy story. When that plane crashed in Rockaway, we were on the Intrepid, and at the time, Imus was talking to a guy that was the very first ever head of Homeland Security out of Pennsylvania, a guy named Tom Ridge. That plane right. crashed literally four blocks from where me and Daniela, my family, live right now. Oh, my God. In beautiful oh Rockaway Beach. Isn't that unbelievable? But we, we go back, you and I, 20-plus years. And I tell you, another reason why I love you is because you're homosexual. You're proud of I it. I am. Yeah, you're gay. Yeah, well, you sleep with a guy. You have sex with a guy. Yes, um, but no, but you're proud of it. And when we had that discussion, when we celebrated Gay Pride on this show that day, and you talked about how you don't really understand this new culture, and that you're even considering filing a lawsuit on behalf of the old time gay guys like you, I, I thought it was great. Are you guys still doing that, or is that over? Is that? Oh, no, 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 no. Look, you know, you know, something that uh, sends the L- the the, uh, the new wave progressive LGBTQIA, all the alphabet <laughs> yeah. soup uh, crap uh, into, into the moon is something that Rick Grinnell, who's my buddy, right? Rick was the first openly gay cabinet member appointed by Donald Trump. The first one wasn't Obama, wasn't Clinton, wasn't Jimmy Carter. It was Donald John Trump. He named Rick Grinnell as the acting national director of intelligence. Right now, today, we have polling that five out of 10 homos like me, all right, are supporting Donald Trump. 
it is a record number. His his uh, support among African Americans, Asian Americans, Latino Americans, and LGBT is going through the roof. And with each of these prosecutions and sham indictments and witch hunts and more superseding indictments, indictments on indictments, people like Napolitano and everybody piling on to the mound of I love you, but uh, he's going to win. He's going to win the nomination and he's going to win uh, this. And you know what? I hope he does, Sid, to this point of we've, we want to file this lawsuit real quick is I think Donald Trump is going to help temper the pendulum. He, he's not an extreme guy. You know, he's not going to go all the way over there and say, let's put the crazy alphabet soup people in, in a box. He's going to try to set uh, important parameters where parents control what's told to their kids in schools. We're not operating on the genitalia of 12-year-olds, which is something most of them all regret when they're 24 yep. and beyond. And we have to stop this, right, because the pendulum went the other way now, yep. and it's too extreme. But, yeah, I'd love to file the lawsuit. I want out of the LGBT. They've gone too far, and it's about gender dysphoria, not about sexual orientation. Period. You're brilliant. You are brilliant. I got to tell you, I'm so happy you uh, hopped on this morning. It's a big day, obviously, when the president stops by. But what an what an amazing way, Lido Pitto, like Derek Jeter, my dear friend Bill White. That was great, <laughs> buddy. I love him, you. Sid. You go get him, and and please tell President Trump, don't not from me, that we all love him, and we can't wait for him back at Pennsylvania Avenue, as you said. You got it, buddy. Bill White, I love you. This was a great conversation. It always is. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again very soon, pal. All right, take care. Bill White, down in Georgia. He's a great guy. White Wedding, Billy Idol, Hour 2. We started with the man, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, next hour. Donald Trump in the 8 o'clock hour. Hour number two, sitting friends in the morning. Already kicking ass on a Friday morning, about to come your way. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at if you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
celebrating Barry Gibbs' birthday today, and Curtis loves the Bee Gees anyway. The name of the song is actually Fanny, and this goes out to that corrupt idiot DA in Fulton County, Georgia, Fanny Willis. Fanny, on Barry Gibbs' birthday, 7-11 on your Friday morning. Bill White was just great. Still to come, Andrew Giuliani, and then the one-two punch of President Trump and Rudy Giuliani. I was just asked by Fox News, Brian Kilmeade, to stop by today, which I'll do coming up at 1230, excuse me, 1130. I'll be live on Fox News Radio, which we do carry here. So you get uh, me and then uh, more of me and then Curtis. Curtis gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Big ratings all weekend long doing the overnight show. Does tremendous work alongside me at this time every weekday morning. And he has become the voice of New York. He's an icon. He's a legend. Mr. Guardian Angel. But he's upset about so many things with oh. me this morning. Oh. I don't even know where to start. Oh, well, let me start first. You talked about Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Yeah. And then you slipped in Jack Kemp. I did, yeah. The great quarterback. I'm thinking 1962, he fades back. Not the Vikings, but the San Diego Chargers. 70 yards down the field to Bambi. Lance Allworth, one of the 100 greatest NFL players of all time. Lance Allworth, fastest white boy ever to play the game. Very impressive. Now, you're going all the way back to the AFL days, Curtis. Well, you weren't That's even very impressive. You weren't even oh, but, but, but I'm familiar with all those teams oh, and Kemp and Lance so Allworth. And he wore white shoes. I know. It was so good. And and which, which makes me angry because, boy, you really know your stuff, Jesus. He wore white shoes, yet years later, a guy named Billy Johnson. Yes, white shoes, Johnson. Right, stole that with the Falcons. And then remember who was the quarterback who would fade back, one of the greatest Italians of all time, and would punt well, for Houston. Uh, George Blanda. No. Daryl LaMonica. No. Um, Daryl the Bomber LaMonica, right? I just said LaMonica. Yeah, that's right. No yeah. chicken. No <laughs> he chicken. said no. Right, Daryl right. LaMonica. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's with a P. It's with a P. Oh, it's, it's with a P. Because George coming. Blanda was yeah, a guy I know, that became I know, a great but He would kick the field goals. He would kick the field goals. You're this guy. About, you're not talking about Joe Namitz. No, 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 no. It'll come to me. Uh, it's with a P. He would punt like 70 yards. He would throw 70 yards to Billy White Shoes Johnson. But anyway, you caused me to die. Well, the greatest punter of all time. Daryl Pellegrini or something like that. Ray Guy was the best Oh, time. that's right. That's true. But, but you're oh, angry with oh, me oh, today yes. because most of my shows are about you, which they are. I mean, you, you have made you, you individually, singly, have, have made this uh, a big-time show. But you're noticing early on today that you've kind of been pushed back for Trump, and you don't like No, that. no, no, it isn't that. I've never seen you walk in here like a fashion plate like this this morning. <laughs> yeah. You're such a rude man, a blood clot, a Yankee man, in advance of the West Indian Day Parade, a dandy, a close horse. My God, I remember my son Carter before his bar mitzvah. They actually let me come to the Beamer at the Reform Synagogue. He was all like, oh, yeah, you're like a little kid, like a, your bar mitzvah all over again. <laughs> you know, not like your bris with a moil. You know, Rabbi Joe Potashnik was blindfolded with a, uh, a Ginsu knife in his hand. You would think so. They took a bit too much that morning, but I've been okay, thanks. I'm telling you, oh, my God, <laughs> the idolatry you're in. You've never, oh, you're, you're all for toots. You're all for I am, yes. I've got my uh, beautiful gay, uh, talking about Bill White, Joe Abood Moccasins oh, on. Joe, Joe Abood, they thought he was gay and he wasn't gay. <laughs> no, Bill White gay. is clearly gay. And they thought that Jack Kemp was gay. Did and you know that? That's true, yes. They oh, thought he, that he, were, he liked trouser trout there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, trouser, was, that was just a rumor. Just that wasn't rumor. true. 
Do well, not sully the <laughs> reputation of Jack Kemp, who ran as vice president with Bob Dole. Wasn't he? Yes. Uh, didn't he run for governor, too, or am I crazy? No, no, no. Congressman uh, there from Buffalo. Oh, he was great. And, and he was flat tax, gold standard. He was yeah. a great guy. Great guy. People loved him. Uh, thank you to Corey Zelnick, by the way. He loves Bill White. Oh, are you talking about Dan Pastorini? Yes, yes, Dan Pastorini. But no, he played for the Houston Oilers. Yes, but that's Billy White Shoes Johnson also. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. You sure? I, I got how much he got no, in you're, your No, you're right, you're right. It was, it was Burroughs, Billy White yes, Shoes yes, Johnson, yes. Earl Campbell was the running back. And then he would drop back and punt like 70 yes, yards. Yes, yes, Excellent job. Oh, like God. Corey oh, God. Zelnick and Bobby Hartman texted me that. And he was one of those uh, AFC victims like Burt Jones with Baltimore yes, yes. who could never beat Terry Bradshaw That's on the Pittsburgh right. Steelers. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I'm, I'm, I'm fading back. Uh, but those were the days. The New Jersey Generals, Donald Trump. No, no, no. Wait a second. Oh. Flu. Walker, you, you, know, you know, my father had season tickets for the Generals. Yes, yeah, you told yes. me. You so, were down there, met life. Even before they drafted Heisman Trophy Award winner Doug Flutie out of Boston College, the starting quarterback, one of the all-time greats from the Cardiac Kids, the Cleveland Browns, Brian Seip yes. was the first oh, quarterback. Brian Seip. <laughs> oh, they go back to Milk Plum. Yes. Milk Plum, right? Yes. Detroit Lions, remember? Cleveland uh, Browns, <laughs> they played Thanksgiving Day, break uh, the wishbone of That's the turkey. Right. And the, oh. ba- the backfield you mentioned was uh, Herschel Walker, and his running mate went on to play for the Giants, a guy named Maurice Carthon. You know, people don't realize, you go north of Orlando, you mentioned Herschel Walker, right? That's Florida, right? They're, oh, he's one of ours, you know, Georgia Bulldog. Hey, wait, what about Florida? No, 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 Herschel. It's that you might as well be in Georgia I know. than Florida. I know. So I, I saw this uh, yesterday, the Rockaway Times. Ooh. Is a local paper. <laughs> you're funny. I love it. You know I love papers. I I'm know. a clutterer. I know you do. You, you, you're a hoarder. You're a uh, paper hoarder. So I read The Wave. My good buddy Mark Healy works there. I read The Rockaway Times. And I see this on page 11. Dear Editor, and it's titled Kurt on Curtis. When are people going to realize that Curtis Sliwa is nothing more than a self-serving pompous bozo in a red cap? He yells and screams, and guess what? We still get migrants moved into the places he gets arrested in front of. I went to the Floyd Benefield rally and thought to myself, why am I at a Curtis for mayor rally? He doesn't care about us Rockaway people or the immigrants. All he cares about is what he's going to talk about on his ridiculous show in the morning. Who's paying this guy for these stunts? He actually lives for our demise so he can pretend he cares and helps. I also heard he called our council member a bitch. That was me. Thank you, not Curtis. Joanne Ariola. I don't take it back. Can I call her a bimbo? Yes, you did. Okay, thank you. I hope it's because she called him out for being the loser that he is. And here's where I come in. Shame on the other guy. No name. Shame on the other guy who lives in my neighborhood or your neighborhood. Really? Okay. You live in my neighborhood, lady. That's also on the radio. He's starting to sound just like Curtis. Thank you. That's a compliment. She goes, I agree. Really something to aspire to. Curtis is a curse to anything he touches. Get a real job, Curtis, for once in your life. And it says, Carol O. Oh, that's Joanne Ariola. No doubt about it. There's right? Right? no doubt about no it. No doubt about that's it. That's her poison pen letter. Uh, Joe, come on, Joanne. Be honest. Just sign your name to it. We know you hate me. And because Sid is in solidarity with me, we're the two horsemen now trying to lead folks out there in the Rockaways that you abandoned to prevent Floyd Benefield from becoming a migrant center and Fort Tilden. You forgot Fort Tilden. So, hey, 
Uh, I put my stake in Tom Sullivan, Mike Sullivan, the Sullivan family, and not you, Joanne Ariola, oh, and your you friend All the But anyway. That breezy point, of course. And, and let me make this clear, too, to this uh, to Joanne and this lady. Uh, you've never heard me or Curtis blame the, the migrants. We do call them illegals. Yes. So we're not in love with them, and we both say we don't want them here. And I'm going to say it again. I don't want them here. Not because I hate them. Not because some of them don't deserve an opportunity. We just don't have room. But well, look, we don't look. blame them. We blame the politicians. Ariola and Pfeiffer want them to do yard work, you know, because they can pay them <laughs> under the table, right? right? But anyway, let me tell you something. Why I'm more in tune with the Rockaways than the both of those women because you won when you ran for mayor. Yeah, no, not even for that. Because with this mayor talking about, oh, the American dream, let's let these illegal aliens work quick. So he wants illegals to work. But all those civil servants fired for not taking the vaccine can't get their jobs back? Right. You sanctimonious hypocrite, <laughs> Eric Adams. You yeah, sanctimonious yeah, hypocrite. Yeah. You won't give them their jobs back unless they beg. Yeah, Please so. give me the shot yeah. in my tucker so you can <laughs> see it. I'm sorry that I offended you, Eric Adams. Americans who won't give them their, their jobs back, many of them who served in the military, many of them who taught in schools, were in the hospitals, when all of a sudden was the lockdown and the pandemic, right? And then he threw them into the street. But an illegal alien who's not vaccinated, right? Oh, give them a job, give them a job. I hate them all because they hate Americans. They put illegals first and Americans last. Uh, you're so, right. yeah, Joanne Ariola and P5 Fulfrom Pfeiffer, I stand for Americans in the Rockaways who were tossed aside and and were told, you can't work anymore. Now, of course, I never called Joanne Ariola a bitch. What I said was when she came on the show, she was bitchy, which is not the same, by the way. Uh, that morning, she was bitchy. I never called her that. So once again, this lady well, well, in the just, town, no, she call they me don't a, care. No, yeah. she called me a bozo, so the mayor called me a buffoon. But I need your help right, Well, here. the mayor also called you a racist. I know. Which but, is a heck of a lot worse. But then he calls everybody a racist who's white because we're crackers in his mind. I need help, though. You were a proud attendee of Baruch College with your sharpened number two pencil, like all good book boys, right? Except J-Lo was there. You were probably chasing her tail at the time. I need you to pull out your sharpened number two pencil and figure out as an accountant what the hell the mayor was talking about the other day when he was trying to explain where $4 billion would be spent. Because, as you know, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb was saying, you haven't given us one invoice, not one receipt for the $1.5 billion that we gave you for the illegals. Are you prepared, accountant Sid Rosenberg? I don't know if I'm prepared. Don't forget, I went for accounting. But I ended up doing radio. <laughs> yeah, but wait a second. You're Jewish and yes. Chinese. It's in your DNA. All right, let's go. Let's have it. It's in your DNA. Let, let's, let's have it. it. Let's hear it, Justin. And then there was an analysis of the invoicing. Many people don't understand. We're not getting dollar for dollar for every invoice we give the, the state. We're getting 29% per dollar. So the entire billion dollars that were out, that was allocated... We won't get that until we spend over $4 billion. We haven't spent over $4 billion. We spent something like $1.7 billion. So the t every time we give an invoice, they do look at the invoice and give us 29% of that. So there was no way we can draw down on a whole billion dollars because we haven't spent over $4 billion yet.
What the hell is he uh, talking uh, about? Uh, 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 Normally in business, right? <laughs> yeah. You give a three months leeway. You know the vendor. You know they expect to be uh, paid in three months. What is he talking about? You got to spend four billion dollars before he gives an invoice to the state, to Tom DiNapoli, the controller, or to the governor for the one and a half billion dollars he got. Sounds like mathematical trickology. Sounds to me that with all these no bid contracts he's given out to friends, to Eric Adams, that he's covering up what is obviously a fiscal time bomb that's been dropped on our heads because we're the taxpayers who have to subsidize this shit. That's it. When you can't even explain it, you, you you are Jewish, right? I know you wanted to be born Italian. I am Italians Jewish. don't make yes. the best accountants in the world. But come on, man. That makes no sense. I mean, even J-Lo with her number two pencil graduated Baruch. No <laughs> Chinese guy can figure that out with an abacus. No one can figure that out, no. No, no one can figure that out. And I did hear Eric Adams talk yesterday once again about the American dream, mm. which he keeps going back to. And, of course, you know, we love all that. My grandparents are from Russia, Poland, all that. I'm sure your, your grandparents are from Italy. Is that right, Italy? Yeah, yeah. Could I, could I play the one cut yes. in which he talked yes. about that? Please, please, if you could play that cut, if you have that. Uh, all right, apparently he doesn't have that. So, anyway, he starts talking about the Irish. Does he not? You know, he didn't do well in Bayside High School. That's obvious. Because Irish need not apply. Do you know at one time they had New York Times want ads? This is years ago in which it said, and if you happen to be Irish and Roman Catholic, you need not apply. You can't have this job. So that's number one. Number two, he mentioned Japanese. How many Japanese were in New York City? He meant Chinese. He didn't want to say Chinese because they voted for me and not for him. First Republican ever running for mayor who had the Asian vote. The Chinese were sent back right before the Civil War because there were too many here, according to people, and they were competing for the job market. They sent them back. And then Italians in 1920, they sent them back. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And Jews, you couldn't get a job from Gentiles. Uh, I know. Well, do you want that cut, the one you're talking about? Play, look, play that. Play that with Doug Curtis. Imagine if that right was stripped away from you. I don't care if you were the early Irish, early Italians, uh, the early Jews, the early Japanese, the early, the early, the early. No matter who you are, where you came from, you came here to pursue the American dream. What's the early, early, early? I didn't know well, that. I don't know, I don't know what that means either. He I was struggling. He said Japanese. I mean, how many Japanese were <laughs> And then in World War II, they put him in internment camps, you idiot. Uh, I- well, this guy doesn't know his history. It's like, yeah, you're Japanese. All right, internment camp. We're at war with Emperor, the Emperor, uh, General Tojo, Admiral Yamamoto. Hi, 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 hi. This guy does mess. not know history. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he thinks everybody, oh, they, they just came in. Ellis Island, as you mentioned, Sid, you had to have a sponsor. Let me tell you a brief story about my grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, from Andrea, a little town in Bari, uh, on the Adriatic Sea near the Southern Boot. He would show up, shape up for work at the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel when they were digging it. Lots of men died in that, you know, cave-ins and such. Every day he would show up. By then, the Irish were not only uh, being hired, they were the uh, supervisors, they were the foremen. And they would look at everyone who shaped up, and they would say, Hey, guess what? No guineas, no dagos, no wops today. Go home. Maybe tomorrow there'll be some work for you. And my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, had to suck it in, walk all the way back just to show up the next day and hope he'd be able to work to get a bowl of pasta vasul. That was it. And a piece of Italian bread 
for all of his 13 kids and my beloved grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino. Hey, Eric Adams, I'll do a tutorial for you in terms of history because you have no idea. And let me tell you this. The next time you talk about giving jobs to illegal aliens, what about all those civil servants that you fired with a smile on your face for not taking the vaccine and they can't get their jobs back unless they buck and bow and kiss your black ass? But migrants, they don't get vaccines and you want them to work? Hey, Eric Adams, you're a self-hating American. In the morning, 77 WABC. Your Trump Friday morning on Sid and Friends in the morning. Toto. Great song here. Curtis Sliwa just on fire. <laughs> what a show already. 90 minutes in. Bill White and Curtis Sliwa both terrific. A lot more to come. Both Giuliani's coming on the program today. Both Andrew and Rudy Giuliani. Joseph Tacopino will join us. One of the great attorneys for President Trump. Trump uh, yesterday not guilty in the state of Georgia. Uh, we're also going to talk to uh, Peter Gordio, live in studio with his friend Dave Jacobson, who does a uh, Neil Diamond cover band. they got a big show coming up. They'll be live in studio at 930. But, of course, the big one coming up at 840 is, in fact, President Trump himself making his second appearance in the last three months. He did uh, speak yesterday quite a bit. Uh, on Instagram, actually, a video on Instagram about all this legal nonsense that he's been going through and, of course, spoke about uh, Joe Biden, spoke about Jack Smith. Play a couple of these uh, quickly. This first one, Lewis, cut number one, he goes after the quote-unquote deranged Jack Smith, about to join me in about an hour. Here is President Trump. How dare low-life prosecutor deranged Jack Smith. That's right, he's deranged break into my former Twitter account without informing me and, indeed, trying to completely hide this atrocity from me. What could he possibly find out that is not already known? Just like the early morning raid of Mar-a-Lago. Why isn't the DOJ raiding crooked Joe Biden's house? Why aren't they raiding his phones? He's the most corrupt and incompetent president in the history of the United States. That's the one they should be looking at. And then there's Biden. 
we were just talking about. <laughs> so, I guess yesterday the President Biden made a surprise visit to FEMA, and he held a press conference. He was actually facing in the wrong direction. Can't make this up. And then he talked about how secure the border is. We just had Curtis Sliwa on, and Curtis is always great. And we made it very, very clear that this whole issue starts at the border, which is a derelict of duty on the President of the United States, Biden, his border czar, that moron Kamala Harris, and Mayorkas. And then we take it to the state level with Hochul and the city level with Adams because they were all for it not that long ago. And now, of course, that they're both doing lousy in the polls, now they're against it. But even recently, Mayorkas lied again, said the border is secure. When we've got pictures from just a couple of days ago of a door open and folks running into Texas like they were handing out free food. Don't worry, because President Biden, he's on it. What a great explanation he gave us yesterday about the border. And I say great, a bit tongue-in-cheek, because if you understand any of this, any of it, you're much smarter than me. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number eight. And one of the other things I'm, I've been asking the Congress for, there's a need about $15 billion along the border to be able to deal with the technology needed to be able to determine whether or not this, these precursor drugs are making it into, into Mexico or into the United States and yeah. dealing with that. So there's more to do there as well. Ay, ay, ay. Come on, Joe. I guess we'll play one more boy of the uh, the seven cut where he stutters and stumbles his way, talking about how he needs more money for emergency relief, talking about uh, FEMA and, of course, uh, the hurricane victims, the wildfire victims in Hawaii. This is even worse, believe it or not. Joe Biden cut number seven. We're in a situation where, you know, uh, we're, uh, uh, how can I say it? I don't know. Say something. There's still some deniers out there. What? In terms of uh, whether or not climate change has anything to do with any of this. Uh, and uh, we're going to need a whole hell of a lot more money, money to deal with emergency appropriations to deal with all you're taking care of. What? <laughs> I don't know what was yeah, that last yeah. sentence. Ay, ay, ay. God help us. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's your president, Joe Biden. So yeah. keep that in mind when uh, DJT joins me in about an hour. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Seven forty-five. You know, um, I think it was Jody McDonald. It may have been Beningo, but I think it was Jody McDonald 
Bob Gelb. You know Bob Gelb, Lou. Gelby started as a producer for Mike and the Mad Dog on WFAN, ended up selling for Imus here at WABC, and Gelby is back at the fan now. Good guy, Bob Gelb. But um, his son, Zach, had to be seven or eight years old, very young, very, very young. And he arrived one day at the FAN studios wearing a Tom Brady Patriot jersey. Chernoff had a very, very strict rule back then. It changed because Carton's kids go on and Russo's kids go on and so mine. But back then, they didn't want little kids going on the air. You remember that? No, it's it got to stop a little. It's not sounding good. But I no. said, no, I'm doing no. it. And uh, I invited little Zach Gelb, maybe seven or eight, into the studios. I think it was me and Jody. And I interviewed him about football, and the kid was great. And I said, one day, your father produces for Mike and the Dog, Bob Fancies himself a radio star, which he's never become, but you're going to be a radio star. You're going to be a star one day. Well, from 10 to 2 today, Zach will host his first ever primetime day part on the fan. So about, uh, I don't know how old he is now, maybe 22, 23, he went to Temple. Not to school, I mean the college. It uh, It's come to fruition. So congratulations to Bob and Zach Gelb, my protege, Zach Gelb. And Bob was a good producer. He was a great producer. He worked. He had to start with the lunatics. I had a great sales guy, too. Pete Franklin. Oh, yeah, Pete person. Franklin? He was the guy who yeah. tossed Pete Franklin. And wow. Pete Franklin didn't start at FAN, and he had a heart issue. So wow. I think Lampley filled in for Oh, a while Jim Lampley did fill in. Fra- right. Until Franklin was ready. And then Bob Gelb had to learn him. Wow. I think and, Greg Gumble also filled in. Yeah, Greg Gumble, but he got yeah. mornings. Basically. Oh, he got mornings. Because okay. Before I was. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> then Mike Oof. and Chris would uh, help. Not easy. But you watch, if you watched Bob, he would come in right away, like be right before three o'clock, get the phones going, move things oh, around. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was. He was a real producer. Organized. Yes, yeah, he, was. Right. he was. And a great sales guy, and too. Very good sales he guy. He made yes. multi million dollar deals for Imus. Imus still threatened to shoot him every day. <laughs> he would, oh, get that girl out of my studio. That fat bastard. Got him out of here. Bob would show up down yeah. in the office with his shirt, like, undone. Oh, a like, mess. In the back, a, he's like, out the back I of just got this bastard a million dollars. Can he be nice to me? No. No, get out. Of, he was kind of running around like Willie Loman and Jethro <laughs> sometimes. Really yeah. hard work. That's a good description. Oh, like yeah. his tie was coming off that he had one on. He's a mess. Oh, An so hour funny. in, he was a complete mess. Uh, <laughs> Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock right here on WABC, Andrew Giuliani does a great show. And uh, he's still very, very, very close with President Trump. They golf together all the time after working for Trump for four years. And uh, he comes on this show this time every Friday morning. Here's my friend Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, good morning. I got to tell you, I'm riding high. Before we get into this Trump sandwich where I guess the Giulianis are the bread today, it sounds like. That's yes. If Dad does call in. You know, with me, he's hit or miss. We proved this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm riding high because last night my mother was in a Tennessee Williams play called The Night of the Iguana. She played the main character. And she absolutely knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. Wow. Wow. It wasn't actually on Broadway. It was on the Upper West Side. Actually, I guess it was on Broadway. It was like 82nd in Broadway. So technically that's on Broadway. But she was absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, for a son, I always say, Sid, and you and I have talked about this time and time again, in life we're always trying to make our parents or our children proud. Well, she made a son very proud. Aw. She's an awesome lady, Donna Hanover, your mother. 
Uh, you clearly like her more than your father. There's no question about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that part in a little bit. But, uh, you know, look, I, no, she's a very, but she's a very talented lady. She she was on radio for many years, TV for many years. Your mother's a very talented lady. She really is. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of the things that I've learned, uh, you know, even from a public speaking perspective, right, I, I think you, if people will look kind of, they see stuff in my father, but they also see a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I've learned from my mother, and she's just, uh, you know, she's she's had to persevere through a lot in life, and she's uh, she's an amazing example, I think, to me, to my sister, and, and certainly to uh, oh. to Grace. Her her and Grace get to spend a lot of time together, so that's always wonderful to see. That's sweet. Grace, of course, is uh, Andrew and Z's child, her granddaughter. Well, that's a beautiful way to start this conversation. From your mom, still doing great things, uh, to your old friend, the president, you're with him. Last week, playing golf, I believe it was a day before he was actually indicted or arrested or arraigned, I don't know, in Georgia. Uh, yesterday, of course, uh, not guilty. He threw that in there on the Zoom. But um, he coming on in about uh, 50 minutes under quite a bit of siege. But you wouldn't know it because he cut all these Instagram videos, Andrew, last night. And he was talking about this country, all the things we're not doing well these days, all the things he did do well so despite, despite this barrage, this unprovoked attack day in and day out, Donald Trump last night, Andrew Giuliani, clearly on message. Yes, and I can't wait to listen to the sit-in Trump interview here in 50 short minutes. I'll be tuning in. Great will you. be tuning in. Z will Thanks. be tuning in. Thanks. But I have to tell you, it's absolutely right. He is highlighting, I think, the difference that the country will look like in 2025 or now. I just heard... The news cracked Gnome Laden talk about how gas prices are at a record high on Labor Day. I mean, this is inflation that people are feeling all across the country. Now we're seeing that Biden is looking for more federal money for COVID on top of everything else, right? The climate stuff, this or that, looking for more federal money from a COVID perspective. And he is talking, and I highlight this this week on the show, he is talking just like he was before the 2020 election in terms of COVID, saying it's not going to be mandated, we're not going to have to worry about it. And as you and Curtis highlighted just a few short minutes ago, there are a whole lot of people out in the Rockaways that were told that lie and now do not have their job because those COVID mandates came into place. It seems like the exact same playbook is something that I think is very scary, and I think every single American should look. And just go back and look at his comments. Look at the comments that he made in 2020. It will not be mandated. It will be your choice. Well, by 2021, certainly that was a whole lot different. And you know better than anybody because I distinctly remember just a year ago, that was the big summer. You're running for governor. You're up against Lee Zeldin and Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino. And uh, you did a tremendous job. That's you and I became friendly. And I didn't know much about you, but you blew me away. You were that good. And, of course, Zeldin won, but not because you didn't put up a valiant effort. And, of course, you had these debates, and and, uh, you weren't even allowed to show up at some of these debates because you weren't vaccinated. So you take this very personally because you're one of the guys who said, "Uh uh-uh, not me. Absolutely. And, And, you know, I think more than anything, right, obviously, look, it was frustrating to not be able to be in the room with your competitors, especially, you know, at the point, hey, look, this is a close race, right? You need to make sure you get in there and you can get in the mix on all this stuff. But also the relationships that I made with so many police officers, firefighters, nurses, sanitation workers throughout the course of that experience, throughout that gubernatorial campaign. Well, we basically had both made these choices kind of together. We had all made these choices together. 
And to understand that these were the Americans, and you were one of them, Sid, but there were a lot of Americans that in March, April, May of 2020, they were in their underwear on Zoom calls. These people went in. These nurses, they went. They went in. They were on the front lines. These police officers, they've gone in. And by the way, they've gotten absolute hell from their city, from their state, from their country over the last bunch of years. Uh, I think for doing nothing but an amazing job, especially when you look at New York yep. City. Agreed. So when when you feel that frustration from these New Yorkers, um, you know, it, it really is something that, you know, even though the campaign has been over for over a year, you know, I still, whenever I think about it, it gives me heartache. And I, and I think about it almost every single day. And then, you know, I look at my daughter and I wonder, is she going to grow up in a country where you're going to be mandated to ultimately take something that seems to be experimental at this point? I don't know. So I'm very glad that Trump ended up highlighting it. I think it's an important difference that Trump really needs to end up laying in. I think some in the Republican Party are going to say, well, wait a second, you, you know, the, the vaccine was developed under you. Well, I think the very clear difference was Trump created a vaccine so that way Americans would have a choice. That way they could look and say, you know what, this is right for me. This is right for my age. This is right for my pre-existing conditions. I will take it in consultation with my doctor versus actually being mandated by the government for some political purpose. And I think that's a very clear distinction that needs to be made by President Trump. And I think he's starting to do that. Andrew Giuliani, 2 p.m. every Sunday. Willie does a great show. You could hear he's a great kid. Uh, Andrew, I want to ask you about your father. But before I do that, I want to get to the migrant, illegal, asylum seeker, whatever you want to call him, that crisis. Uh, again, a year ago, I go back to you campaigning. I distinctly remember meeting you on my anniversary. It was the day of my 30-year anniversary. I met you outside of Cali's on 129th Street. And... I, I, hope it, I, hope, I hope it wasn't the best part of your anniversary. That's all I have to say. I just well, hope it wasn't the well, best. I enjoyed it. It was a good moment in my life. I just hope it wasn't the best part of your anniversary. No, it That's wasn't. We ended up having a beautiful dinner at the River Cafe. You know Danielle, so clearly... As much as I like you, it was not the best part of my anniversary. But uh, <laughs> but on a serious note, uh, you know, I go out there twice last week, not once but twice, and do something I had never done before and may never do again, and that is protest because I've been inspired by Curtis Sliwa and my neighbors and other New Yorkers, Staten Island, Queens, all these neighborhoods where people have had enough. Now, some of them direct their anger to the wrong people. I've said that many, many times the last couple of weeks. But we're all in unity when we go after Biden and Harris and Mayorkas and Hochul and Adams in this state, you've been somewhat critical of Mayor Eric Adams on this station. Where are you right now with Adams and how he's handled this crisis? He's invited the crisis, right? I mean, he was the one who last year, in my opinion, was campaigning to be president because that's what he was doing when he called Greg Abbott racist. That's what he was doing when he went down to the Port Authority. And then we can just look at uh, almost a neighboring state, a state a couple just to the north of us, Massachusetts. They just declared a federal emergency from all the migrants that are coming in to Massachusetts right now. So this is not just a problem that New York is having. This is a problem that those who basically sought to play politics with this issue and then say shame on Texas because Texas basically had said, look, we've taken in at the time three and a half, four million, now close to six million migrants. We can't handle this. New York at 100,000, less than 2% of what Texas has taken in is completely collapsing. Same thing in a state like Massachusetts that has taken a fraction in of what Texas has. So this was never about public policy for Mayor Adams. This was all about politics. This was all about making sure that he could campaign for president. This is all about making sure 
that whenever he was going to run for the Democratic nomination, whether it was 2024 because Biden was incapable, which who knows, maybe he still might be looking at these comments in Maui or 2028, he was going to be accepted enough to be able to make some hay in a Democratic primary. Well, sadly, Mayor Adams has botched this as he seems to be botching so many other things in his mayoralty. Next Thursday, we're going to celebrate 102 years, WABC, our mutual friend, the great John Katsimatidis, and the legend, and I do mean legend, Cousin Bruce Morrow at Cipriani. is going to be a huge night. Looking forward to it already. September 7th, same night as the Chiefs and the Lions, but also the same night as a fundraiser for your dad in Bedminster that Donald Trump is putting on. And there's all kinds of GoFundMe pages now. John actually put something on Facebook at about 3 o'clock this morning. I'm going to talk to your father about this, too, coming up right after Donald Trump at 9:10. But when you see the outpouring of love from all these people that are really concerned, really concerned legitimately about your father's financial uh, crisis, does that make you feel good? It does. You know, it's it's a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, it's a wonderful life moment where you see this and you see the, the difference that he's made in so many New Yorkers lives. And to see them step up for him now when he needs it really is wonderful. And Sid, I have to tell you, uh, you know, I'm very excited about this next Thursday. I'm very disappointed that it's going to be on the WABC Gala Day. I'm going to miss, obviously, Cousin Brucie up there and, and what was fantastic last time, your speech being the highlight of it for, uh, for uh, you know, for Bernie really was wonderful. Thank but you. I have to say, I'm very, very proud to announce right now that because of President Trump's involvement in this dinner next Thursday night, just for the dinner alone, we've raised over a million dollars. Wow. So it has been a really, really big event. Uh, we're trying to make sure that we push the last six days to try to see if we can get that number even further up. But certainly when we were originally discussing discussing this about a month ago, uh, we were hoping to get in the range of a half million to three quarters of a million to see this at a million dollars. Um, it's a big chunk. It's not everything that we need, but let's say we've we've hit a couple home runs and we've we've cut the deficit in terms of uh, in terms of what Dad needs to be able to make sure that he can defend himself uh, with uh, without having to uh, hopefully sell all of his homes. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so- <laughs> it's not funny. You know, but we, 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 we love him, but we <laughs> right. don't really want to turn Grace's uh, you know, playroom into a room for right. Dad. We want Grace to be able to keep her playroom. We're going to have to put him on Rikers Island next to the illegals at some point. <laughs> Needs a place to stay. Uh, on a serious uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the last 60 seconds, uh, clearly you're great at this. I told you that. I told you that many, many months ago. But you're going to run again for something. You were too good running for governor. You're too smart. You need to do something in the political world. So we know that's coming down the pike somewhere. But, 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 well, if Donald Trump, you do? I have, I have an announcement. For my next run, Yeah. I am running on September 24th for the Tunnel of Towers 5K, <laughs> and I'm training right now. I'm working every single day. I've got the Rocky music out there, so that's my announcement. That's the next run. And i got to tell you, I was in better shape for a political run than I am for a That's funny. But I'm getting there. I'm in two and a half K shape right now, Sid. So I'm ready to go. I You're a half a K away. You're a half a K away. That's a good one. But 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 if in fact Donald's funny, great job. If Donald Trump wins again, and he called you, said Andrew, I need you back at the White House. You go back. I would always serve my country, and certainly somebody like President Trump, who I think did a fantastic job as president. Look, whatever some people may think of 
some of the excessive tweeting and this and that. I think when you look at what he did, the changes that he made for the country and the changes he made for America, and I think it's one of the reasons why there were so many in the institutions of Washington, D.C., so much of the media that was so upset that tried to really paint this thing like Trump was some kind of a monster or menace because in many ways he was tipping over their gravy train. Um, it, it was so important the four years that he had in Washington, D.C. We need to make sure that we have another guy like Trump. Hopefully it is President Trump, and hopefully there's somebody who's ready to follow him up that's ready to look at the problems in this country with solutions. And that's what Trump did. He would be on Trump time, and the rest of the staff better don't be on Trump time. Otherwise, they better get a different job. So if President Trump called, I would always take his call, and I would strongly consider it. I will tell you, Sid, in complete honesty, you know, you have to look at a lot of the personal blowback that so many people have gotten, my father included, and you think about your family in terms of doing that. So that's a, that's a discussion you have to have with your wife, you have to have with your family, and really think about it. But if President Trump ended up calling, he's very convincing. I'm sure he could convince me to come back in and to go to be by his side to make sure we uh, make America great again, 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 maybe a third again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A very good, honest answer there. You brought up your family in a discussion you would have to have. That's very, very, very good. Uh, excellent job, really. I mean, always. You're great every Friday with me, great every Sunday. Thank you for calling in. And the one-two punch of Trump and your dad coming up next hour will continue what you've done here this morning. Thank you so much, Andrew Giuliani. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Sid. Can't wait to listen to that Trump-Sid interview. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you. There he is, Andrew Giuliani, folks. Two o'clock every Sunday does a terrific job. He really does. All right. Oh, folks, don't go anywhere. The next 80 minutes, some of the best radio you're ever going to hear with three spectacular guests. Joseph Takapina, famed defense attorney, one of Donald Trump's big guns, Rudy Giuliani. And coming up in about 40 minutes, the man himself, President Donald J. Trump. Hour number three on a Trump Friday on Sid and Friends in the Morning, about to come your way. Is Sid and friends in the morning for my friends. 77 WABC. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida. But you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself. And we'll speak to you again soon. President Trump, coming up in about 25 minutes, who would have thunk that 46 years ago when the late, great Harvey Rosenberg and the late, great Cosmo Takapina, when they're driving us from Quentin and Bedford Road, respectively, to Dyker Heights, the poly prep, that 46 years later, Mr. Takapina would be one of Donald Trump's most prized attorneys, and Mr. Rosenberg 
would have Donald Trump on his number one rated New York morning show twice in three months. But it be true. And here he is, the aforementioned best defense attorney in the world, the very handsome Joseph Takapina. You know, Sid, when you say it like that, those two things coming together and becoming reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 46 years ago, if you had to place a bet of that happening, those two <laughs> things you just mentioned happening, or Godzilla conquering Manhattan, I would have gone with Godzilla conquering Manhattan. I, I agree. I agree. They, they, talk, about, they talk about the miracle on ice being the greatest exactly. upset ever. Are you nuts? <laughs> I mean, geez, I graduated magna cum, cum barely, I told you the other day. And I mean, I mean, you and I were just hanging on there. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, I, no, I know you went to Skidmore, you played hockey, and, of course, again, you're brilliant. You're, you're the best attorney in the world, but I didn't see it coming. I always loved you. You and I were best friends all the way back then. I mean, best friends. But it's great, and I'm proud of you. And, you know, when you, you called me that, well, I'll never forget that phone call, 5 a.m. on the way to the airport to go visit President Trump at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he said, what do you think? And I said, look, you've got some big clients in the past, including A-Rod, who you're going to the Miami Hurricane football game with coming up. I said, but there's nobody like this. This is going to take you to a brand-new stratosphere. And I knew I was right when two weeks later I saw you on Sean Hannity and Al Sharpton and all these shows. So it's been a pretty wild ride for you since you hopped in with oh, Trump. Yeah. yeah, and of course, you know, then you deal with all the – the, the lunatics out there and the, you know, the things that, that people do, uh, you know, the, the amount of people out there who don't understand anything about what they're talking about and, and, and say things without a basis of, of, of information or intellect, uh, death threats and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I was my knees don't buckle. Um, and, and President Trump's knees don't buckle clearly. So for me, it was a perfect, perfect match. I mean, I think the Washington Post or one of those you know, um, newspapers wrote an article that, that we had sort of complimented each other in that regard. I mean, obviously he is the, you know, light years ahead as far as what he's accomplished, but he is, uh, he's someone who's strong and I like strong people. So, and I think, you know, what's happening now, I mean, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, it just, it gets more surreal every time I think about it. You know, it's difficult, really said, it's difficult to disagree with the assumption that these multiple prosecutions are ensuring President Trump's nomination, because that's exactly what's happening. Virtually every event related to the four indictments ratchets up the Republican rage meter another several points for President Trump. Um, you, know, you knew that mugshot. I mean, whose idea was that? That was a, I mean, they, they threw him a softball on that one. I mean, that was worth mm. millions of yep. you saw it. Ten million. They've actually uh, said so far that million. mugshot. And of the four indictments, that was the only one in Georgia where they took the mugshot. And like you right. said, he's raised $10 million since. And, and yesterday he did enter his uh, not guilty plea in Georgia. And he's not going to go to court because he waived the arraignment, too. But, um Look, it's a very simple question, Joseph. You work for him, so you're a bit in the bag, no doubt about it, doing the Alvin Bragg case and uh, also E. Jean Carroll, which is not one of these indictments, a different case. But right. and, and you guys have a, have a relationship and a great relationship. But um, I'm always asked the same question. Is President Trump going to be able to govern if he wins? Uh, is he going to be able to campaign next year with a court date, maybe the day before Super Tuesday? We know he's an animal. We got that. You he's know, an animal, but he's still an human. You just said it. Yeah, he'll do, he'll he'll figure out a way. The way he always figures out a way. Look, um, you know, he, he, you see the judge in, in the D.C. case, right? Um, you know, decision to plop the, the 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 trial date 
down, you know, in Washington, D.C. on March 4th, hours before Super Tuesday primary. And the explanation was, um, you know, she wants to make sure that that in the interest of justice, she wants to set it in that date that to make sure that she's balanced defendants' rights to to adequately prepare. Yeah, right. Um, that was just coincidence. That happened to be the day before, you know, the the, the primaries and, and and Super Tuesday. It's just it's, it's it gets more obvious what's happening every time they make a move, and it's helping him. So people are people who have brains and are intellectual would normally when someone gets indicted. That's, you know, as a politician, forget it. Your career is over. You know, bring out the podium and, and make your, <laughs> you know, concession speech and walk away and go into a hole. This is having the adverse effect. It's so surreal. It's unbelievable. But he'll be able to do it because if we understand this. Every minute he steps into that courtroom is going to be a form of campaigning. Yep. Okay. Yep. Every minute he he's, has to be dragged into a court to deal with charges that – most people truly believe are politically motivated weaponization of the justice system. Most people believe that's it. Because if it weren't Donald Trump, these charges wouldn't be happening. It certainly wouldn't be happening all at once right now. It's as if you know you're trying to be convinced that none of these three prosecutors got together and and decided in six months, listen, guys, decide four times. Again, some of the biggest career criminals in in, in history. From from Dillinger to uh, you know El Chapo, Pablo Escobar, no one John Gotti, as much as Donald Trump, Al Capone, no one, none of them. I know, no, no I know, it's ridiculous. Let alone in six months. I know. Oh, listen, it's so ridiculous. It's, so it's obvious what's happening. It, it is obvious. He'll be. He'll get through this. He will get through this. These cases on. I'm telling you, the merits of these cases are not there, and they're gonna have trouble convincing. This is a remember. This is different than the civil trial. A civil trial. You have six jurors. The burden of proof is 51%. It's like basically if you believe a little bit more one side or the other, that's enough. In a criminal trial, it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt, the highest standard allowed by law in this country. And it's a, it's a standard that basically says if you have a doubt based on reason, you must, not you can, you must acquit. So I find it hard to believe you're going to get 12 jurors, because that's what you need, 12 jurors, all to say guilty and a hung jury in any of these cases serves president trump's purpose well you find that hard to believe see i find that hard to believe in miami certainly the documents case but georgia washington dc you still find that hard to believe 12 people i know you need 12 people it's a different standard the charge that the jury will get from the judge the law when i say the charge the law the jury will get from the judge on proof beyond a reasonable doubt if they apply it and look look if you have 12 jurors who are on a mission and have an agenda and heard the name of the defendant and were ready to vote for their verdict on, on announcing the name of the parties in the case. That's, there's nothing you could do about that. We had a situation like that in Manhattan federal court. Obviously, it was a civil case, so it was, you know, but, but, but in this case, in a criminal case, you're going to need 12 people who are willing to turn a blind eye to the obvious and say, I'm going to convict, understanding the, the ramifications of what's going to be happening here. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I really believe that you're not going to get 12 people yeah, yeah, in, out of, out of, out of the 48 that you're going to have that I think there's going to be one in each one of those at least. And then he should in fact be acquitted, but you know, this is the trial process and there's no guarantees, uh, obviously in, in, in trials because you just don't know 
you know, the, the 12 people and what's what's inside their heads. Right. That's all fair. So before I let you go, because that was a very, very smart and serious conversation, as it should be, of course, he's about to come on, Trump, and you are his attorney. I did mention uh, as a passing comment earlier on during this conversation, you're about to go to Miami Hurricanes football game. Now, I went to Miami. You didn't. You went to Skidmore. I was there right after Bernie Kosar beat Nebraska, won the national oh, championship. How yeah. about this, Tack? When I was at Miami... Howard Schnellenberger was still the coach, God rest his soul. And the quarterbacks on the roster, get ready for this. Mark Richt, who went on to become a very good coach at Georgia and Miami. Jim Kelly, Vinny Testaverde, and Bernie Kosar. All four of those quarterbacks at the same school. And then, of course, uh, Howard left and Jimmy Johnson took over. Two of them won Heisman's. That's right. Two won Heisman's. Exactly right. Right. Um, and, and three of them went on to become just unbelievable NFL quarterbacks. But, and Jim Kelly, of course, is a Hall of Famer. Oh, deservedly so. Um, yeah. but, but, uh, here you are with A-Rod, who's a big star still in Miami. He walks the streets, Lincoln Road. They go nuts. Now, what game yeah. is this that you're doing this with A-Rod? This is the A&M. They look, they start, the season's open. So look, I've been a Hurricane fan since for 40 years since Schellenberg came. There's always, you know, me. It's like why well, I like the Raiders. I'm, I march to the beat of my own drummer. I, I like no, 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 no. You're, you're a front thing. runner. You're a front runner. That's what you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you call me a front runner. I'm an Oakland Raiders fan, dude. I haven't even seen a sniff the playoffs. Oh, wait a second. But, but, when you, but when you became a Raider fan, you had John Madden and Tom Flores going to Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. I became a Raider fan because everyone else was Cowboys or Steelers fans. And I couldn't be with everyone. That's else. true. That's true. That's why I became yeah. a Raider fan. Plus the bad boy image, and Al Davis from Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, I became a Hurricanes fan because the U invented swagger. I mean, they were just just the baddest boys. Look, they changed the rules of college football. And this is a great story that they put out a film, the NCAA, saying you can't do this. You can't talk. You can't simulate weapons. You can't put your hands to your ear. And they had a film that they put out to all the NCAA schools, Division I schools. Yep. And basically the Hurricanes said it was a highlight film of their games. Yeah, no, it's true. They were doing uh, all these things. Yeah, they did. But, so I love the Hurricanes. So you can't call me a front runner for the Hurricanes. The last national championship was, was uh, 2001. No, but again, when no, no, no. no. But when you became a fan of that team... Between Schnellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, Larry yeah. Coker, Den- the Dennis Erickson, Butch Davis, and one every year. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say every year, but yes. But here's what it was. Here's what it was. Look, Nebraska was a team if you want to be a front runner, or Oklahoma, right? Yeah. But the, the reason they just did it different. They took these no, they kids did. Yep. from Overton, from all different parts of Miami, yep. Yep. brought them together. They yep. owned the state of Miami. And they just went off. And it was just the swagger and how they did it. Uh, I, love I know. I mean, it my favorite players, I mean, Najee Davenport, that beast running back who looks like a, a linebacker. I mean, it's just this. So I'm excited to start. I think this is a turning point for them because they went 5-7 and seven last year, bottomed out. Cristobal had one of the best recruiting classes in the world. I mean, really top, top of the country. And they have these players. I watched the spring game. I mean, they, they're going to be starting 10 true sure, freshmen. Sure. It's true. Joe, Joe. So I know the show Joe, is a, a Joe. New York show. No, I know. But you have to understand, oh, I man. did sports talk radio for 11 years in Miami. And I heard this every day. Randy Shannon, Al Golden, we're back, yeah, we're back, we're back. They're never going to be back because Donna came in. And she decided yeah. that she's not going to yeah, get kids from Liberty City. She wants smart kids. And I hate to say this. Smart kids don't always win football games. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Michael yeah, Irvin no, was don't. not a great high school student. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but that's why Alabama's number one. And, you know, that's right. Notre Dame can't sniff a national title. But but this year, it's different. They okay. are going back. Look, they'll I never so. have the same swagger. And they're not going to be able to like, see more okay. weapons and grab their crotches anymore. You know what I'm going to do for you? I'm, I'm gonna, for you, I'm going to bring on Bernie Kosar next week. He's well, still my dear friend. And we'll talk about me, Hurricane awesome. football, okay? 
Ask him about J.J. Joseph, 18-year-old wide receiver, maybe the fastest human being in the okay, world. Okay, I'll ask him. Watch this, kid. I'll do it. I love you. This is a fun, 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 and great conversation, Trump and football. Good luck with, with, with the president uh, sending my love. And, uh, look, have fun, and you're the best. Look, um, the fact that coming back to you says volumes about you, your credibility, your audience. Uh, I know him very well. He's very selective. And, you know, a lot of these people that lure him onto these programs – do it to try and get a quick ratings grab and, and do things that are untoward and, quite frankly, unethical. And, and they, they try and, and sandbag him, which he's hard to sandbag because <laughs> he's got an answer for everything. But he truly um, understands the value of your show and you treat him with the right respect and, and let him have the, the, his, his say. So thank you. It's, it's great for you. It's great for him. And it makes me happy. I love you. I really do love you. Thank you, Joseph. You're great. Thank you. Okay, brother. There he is, the best defense attorney. I know Danielle's listening. You're great, too, Dan. Uh, Joseph Tacopina, one of Trump's uh, attorneys, and uh, I may be biased, but his best attorney. Thank you, Joseph Tacopina. Rudy Giuliani's going to stop by, but first, coming up in about 19 minutes, no less, in about 15 minutes, the aforementioned 45th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. Keep it right here. President Trump coming up. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I'm sorry. The great Tone Log. What a show it's been already. Bill White, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Joseph Tacopina, Rudy Giuliani, still to come. But, of course, coming up in about eight minutes, the 45th president of the United States, President Donald Trump. Ricky Gold is here. Ricky comes in every Monday and Friday. And uh, all of my buddies are like, hey. I was on a uh, movie set a couple of days ago. I don't want to talk about it because of the strike, but I was. And a lot of those guys, they like to watch football. They go, who's that guy you had on last Friday? That guy's smart. I swear to God. <laughs> then they get a text from a kid down in Florida, Matt Posner. He's like, who's that guy you had on last Friday? He's smart. So you fooled him again, Rick. Uh, <laughs> no, you are very, very smart. And you work with Juice Reel. And you're going to make picks on this show all season long. Big college football day coming up tomorrow. We're now less than a week away from the start of the 2023 NFL season, six days away from the Super Bowl champion Chiefs taking on the Lions. And, of course, uh, a week from tonight, uh, a week from Sunday, I should say, I'll be there when the Giants host the Cowboys. And a week from Monday, 9-11, the Jets will host the Bills. Ricky Gold, Juice Reel, good morning, buddy. 
Good morning, Sid. It's great to be on. You Thanks have a big audience me. right now. <laughs> Trump is coming up next. That's Even incredible. you're excited. Look yeah, at you. I am. You know, <laughs> yeah, know. coming on directly after the president. What gets better than that? It does all year before, but it, uh, it's good either yeah. way. Uh, give me quickly the um, the Monarch Note version of exactly what Juice Reel is. So Juice Reel is a suite of tools for sports bettors. Juice Reel is really built with one thing in mind. We want sports bettors who go on our app to have the same experience where they go – how have I not been using Juice Reel and I've been mm-hmm. betting on sports? Uh, you know, if, for those of you who pick up your, who picked up your phone and down, typed in juice like orange juice, real, R-E-E-L, success for us is you, you picked up our product and said, wow, this is incredible. I need to be using this to bet on sports. Now, AI is something everybody's deathly afraid of. In fact, one of the reasons why my cohorts are on strike, the actors, is because they're terrified of AI, but you guys use AI to your advantage. In fact, you're going to be competing against some of Vegas' best uh, handicappers in the Circus Friday Football Invitational. First time AI will take on humans in sports betting. How does that work? Yeah, so the, uh, the folks at VEASAN, which is a, uh, a big uh, uh, sports betting network out of Las Vegas and Circus Sportsbook, host, they host a competition with some of the best handicappers. And when they reached out to us to participate alongside them uh, with our AI bot, which uh, puts out two picks a day every day in our app. Uh, so this will be the kind of like uh, it almost has an IBM Deep Blue versus Gary Kasparov yes, type yes, of. The chess, uh, match, the yes, chess match. The chess match. The chess match. That this was is, great. This is the first time uh, for sports betting that it's a bit of a man versus machine. I like that. That's great. Okay, check that out, folks. And uh, quickly on the way out, the uh, three games we'll focus on today. Tomorrow, again, being a a pretty full slate. Bunch of games tonight, too, but tomorrow the big one. Uh, Penn State taking on West Virginia. What what does Juice Reel tell us? So uh, the the data says to take Penn State. We've got a majority of our best bettors. I think it's about 65% of our best bettors on Penn State, about – about 70% of the worst bettors are taking the other side, and that's how we usually <laughs> pick games. Okay, so Penn State looks like a really good pick. Uh, the big one coming up later on in the weekend, this is the best matchup of the weekend, the Florida State Seminoles taking on the LSU Tigers. A lot of my friends like LSU. What does Juice Wheel tell us? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the game of the weekend. Uh, data is saying to take LSU. Uh, with uh, Given the points, yeah. Oh, good. And finally, a big uh, West Coast matchup, the Huskies-Washington taking on the Bluefield-Boise State football team. What do you guys like there, Juice Wheel? Uh the, the data's leaning for Boise State. Wow. So I'll be on Boise State as well. Wow. So Boise State, Penn State, and LSU. And Correct. folks can uh, get that Juice Reel app. It's free right now at the App Store, right? Correct. Excellent job, Ricky Gold. Good to see you. Likewise. Next week's going to be exciting. we got a big 30-minute show coming up next Saturday, and here comes the NFL. I'm pumped to be on for next week. Me too. Ricky Gold, folks, check it out. Juice Reel. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. President Donald Trump. I love you. The front of my house is a huge advertisement for you. I can't wait to see you walk into Pennsylvania Avenue as our next president. Get rid of the creature. Get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. I love you, and I'll be out there working like a dog for you. Donald J. Trump. Love you, guy. Good luck. God watch you. Bye-bye.
There's a special message right there from my 89-year-old mother up by Monticello in Conyonga Lake, Naomi Rosenberg to President Trump. I love you, and I love him too. Folks, without any further ado, let me welcome in the 45th President of the United States and soon to be the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, good morning. How are you? Well, that was a nice way to start this show. You couldn't do better. That's it. <laughs> I guarantee that's your mom. That sounds like your mom. But uh, would you say hello to her for me? We're going to send her a hat or something. I'll get something over to her because she's great. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. And she really does love you. She's been around a long time, President Trump, almost 90 years. Seen lots of presidents come and go. And I asked her flat out on the show a couple of days ago. She's on every two weeks. She's become like a cult hero, you know, like a rock star right. like you. And I said, Mom, be honest. Be honest. Because you're like Kennedy, I think. I said, is Donald Trump the best president ever? She said, son, not even a question. The best president. We're talking 90 years, President Trump. That's a large yeah. sample. Well, you know, uh, what's happening today is making me look a lot better because uh, people really liked me and they loved the job I did. And now they're saying he's better than Reagan. He's better than anybody because they're looking at these people that are in office today. And aside from being the most corrupt president, he's the worst president we've ever had. Jimmy Carter has to be very happy because, uh, <laughs> you know, they'd always say Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter. And, yep. uh this guy, uh, this guy blows Jimmy Carter away, and Jimmy Carter at least was honest. We think, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. But you know, I had a great conversation. So yeah. Good. yeah, I had a great conversation with our mutual friend, President Trump, Bill White, this morning, and he's in Georgia, of course. And he says, you know, Sid, there's over 250 murderers and rapists and sex offenders and gangbangers. Right. All these folks are out there, and yet Fannie Willis and Brian Kemp, another governor like DeSantis who stabbed you in the back, the Attorney yep. General Chris Carr, all these people in cahoots. And, of course, I know you pled non-guilty, yes, not guilty, which, of course, you are not guilty. But you look at what's going on with all those people in Georgia. I mean, that's just another example of, of this, uh, what they're trying to do, which is election interference. It's nauseating. I don't know a lot of those people, but these are fine-looking people to me, and they got they got screwed, frankly. And, you know, uh, you mentioned Brian Kemp. He was dead. He had no chance. And some people came to see me on his behalf that were very good friends of mine. They asked for an endorsement of Brian Kemp, and I took him, and he won the election because of me, and he hasn't done a damn thing. And I'll tell you what, why they signed that consent decree, that was giving it away to the Democrats, what they did. The signing of a consent decree which is a big deal. You don't know what I'm talking about because it's Georgia. But right. they signed a consent decree that was so bad for Republicans and so bad, frankly, for the state. And uh, it went from there. Now, Brian, Brian Kemp was another surprise. He was a guy I got in. He wouldn't have been governor without me. And then uh, he just, they just go bad. I mean, it's almost like people I don't endorse treat you better. But I must say, most people are good. Most people. You have to sanctimonious was bad. Kemp was bad. Uh, most people are good. They appreciate it. You mentioned the I sanctimonious. I want them to do a good job, actually. Said, yeah. I don't want anything. I just want them to do a good job. Sure. That's all that matters. That's fair. Uh, you did mention the sanctimonious President Trump, and I will tell you that I did watch you and Tucker Carlson, and you're great. I mean, you're always great. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. I did take a peek at that debate last week. I said all week long on my show it's not going to be any good because the man, you, are not there. And it wasn't any good. It was actually embarrassing for your party, i got to say. Uh, but when you watched it, whether it's the Sanctimonious or any one of these folks, uh, Scott or Pence, did any one of these people impress you? Did anyone say, 
Hey, look at me. Maybe I could be your running mate. Maybe I can end up in your cabin. Any of these folks impressed you with that debate last week? Well, we were looking for the next Abraham Lincoln. We didn't see it. <laughs> we didn't see it. But, look, some of them are friends of mine. Actually, some of them called, a number of them called and almost virtually asked my permission, which I respect. And I said, Ron, go ahead. The more the merrier. What difference does it make? And, you know, we've taken a lead in that. I don't want to say anything's over because I don't say that. I'm not a believer until it's over, right, as Yogi would say. Ain't over till it's over. But uh, it was uh, the lead. I, I think I'm 50 points up now on the sanctimonious, and I think he could end up going to third and fourth. The guy's got no personality. There's one. He came to me. He begged me for an endorsement. He was out of politics. It was over. He, he left the Congress where he was not doing very well. And he wanted to run for governor of Florida. It was over. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. And I said, you're so far down, nobody, if you bring back George Washington to to endorse you, you're not going to do it. He said, no, no, I'll win. I'll win. I said, you know what? We'll give it a shot. I knew him a little bit. And frankly, uh, he was one of the hundreds of people that would go on television and talk about the impeachment hoax number one and impeachment hoax number two. So, you know, I got a little support. He was no Jim. Uh, he was no Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. But anyway, we did that, and then he won. He went from like being thirty or forty points down. It, he became like a rocket ship, and he won. And like immediately, as soon as I pressed the button, the famous button, and he won. And then I got him past the race because he had a race with a Democrat. I did three rallies for him, everything else, and he won. And that was the end of it. I didn't care too much. He won. Big deal. But I got him in. He was dead. He had no chance. You know, some guys have a good chance. Some guys have a little. He had no chance. He was out of politics. He was dead. He was, I mean, literally crying. So he comes up to me. And then four years later, they say, would you run against the president? Would you run? And he said, I have no comment. Now, Sid, you're a street guy. You know what no comment means. That means he's running. I said, wait a minute. He's running. (laughs) And then I started hitting him hard. And and a lot of people call me, sir, he's a Republican. Please don't hit him that hard. I said, he's a Republican. Not to me, he's not a Republican. So I thought it was a great act of disloyalty. And Kemp, likewise, was just about equal. He was never going to win without me. He would have never, ever won without me. And, uh, you know, just these guys, I don't know what happens. They go bad. And it's not like I, you know, I hardly dealt with them. It's not like, gee whiz, I did something, I said something that was incorrect. I, I literally get him in. I say, good luck. Do a good job. Run Georgia. Good luck. Good luck, Ron. Take a, you know, do a nice job. That's it. I didn't ask for anything. But then they come back. I don't know. Some, You know, they have these consultants. Many of them are morons. And they tell these guys what to do. I have an idea. Go against Trump. But going against Trump and the Republican Party has not been good for people. It hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't been good for their career path. No, that may but be an, uh, yeah, that's an understatement. Those, those are the two sad stories. <laughs> yeah. I think. They are. I agree with you, and they are sad. Both DeSantis and uh, Kemp. But I guess the guy, uh, President Trump, everybody's in love with these days is Vivek. I'm not a huge fan. Maybe you are. I don't know. But uh, the, the, what I get from people is, look, we need to make sure the president does well with suburban housewives. For some reason, yeah. people seem to think that's still a tough spot for us. So maybe you should look at a Nancy Mace or a Carrie Lake or a Tulsi Gabbard or a Christy Nome. Have you made up that decision yet, whether gender or any of those, or just not yet? So uh, I have looked at a lot of people. I also know that no vice president ever got a president elected. They don't just don't, you know, but they all go in big fanfare, but ultimately it's the president. Uh, with the suburban housewife, I think we do great. 
I think the numbers were very skewed last time, to put it mildly. I'm trying to be nice because uh, I want to be nice on your show. So I will not say the election was rigged on your show because I want you to have a job. No, no, you can say it. No, no, you can say really? it. Okay. Well, then the election was rigged. It was a rigged election, <laughs> and it was rigged like nobody. And you got to give Rudy credit. I'll tell you what, Rudy, he, he goes through hell because he says that he knows. I mean, he get he got it back. He had the laptop before everybody. You know, Rudy was – and Rudy's a friend of yours. Rudy was way ahead of the whole thing. He was two years, three years ahead of all this stuff. That's coming out now. He doesn't get enough credit. I'll tell you. Number one, he was the greatest mayor in the history of New York. What he did to New York, he turned it around. It was in shape like it is now, unfortunately. <laughs> and when I see that, I was there not long ago. It was very sad, very sad. When I walk, when I go through that, those streets, I get driven down the streets. And I'll tell you, I look at the scene of New York, and it looks like Bangladesh. <laughs> not it's not a good situation. It's so, it's so sad. But Rudy gets a lot of credit for he was able to call it early. And they give him no credit, of course. You know, they don't give him any credit. I'm I'm one of the people that understand it and give him credit. But, uh, yeah, the election was a disgrace. We got uh, close to 12 million more votes when you think about it, 12 million, than we did the first time. And I was told if you could get the same 63 million that you got the first time you have it. We got almost 75 million votes. And I was told, you get 63, you win automatically. I got 63 the first time. So, you know, people say, well, you did better in the first election because you want to. I said, no, no, I did much better in the second election. Hmm. But the election was rigged. So now we're doing it again. We're more, I think there's more enthusiasm. You can ask your mother, but there's more enthusiasm <laughs> now than there was for one or two. I mean, we go by, we drive through the streets where the signs, every house has a sign, Trump 2024. Yep. And that's because it's so bad. You know, what, when you look at energy independence, we we're energy independence. And we had, I passed the largest tax cuts in history, the largest regulation cuts. I rebuilt our military. I took out ISIS. You know all about what I did militarily. I don't have to go through it either. But what we did militarily was incredible. But I rebuilt. Then he gave $85 billion of what I rebuilt, brand new stuff, planes, tanks, uh, goggles, everything, night goggles. He's got, they've got better night goggles than we have. But they gave it to Afghanistan in the single worst, most embarrassing situation, in my opinion, in the history of our country. There's never been anything like that where we take the military stupidly. He takes the military out first. Now you take the military out last and said, you know, 18 months now, one soldier was uh, even shot at when I was president. I called Abdul, who was the leader, still the leader of the Taliban. I said, Abdul, don't do it. I won't go into exact conversation, but it was a very interesting conversation. <laughs> I said, Abdul, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're going to get hit so hard. <laughs> don't do it, Abdul. And you know what? He didn't. 18 months, it was perfect. And then we had the rigged election, and then he takes over. And what they did at the airport was a horrible thing. I met with the great families uh, two nights ago, and they were great. They're devastated. These people are devastated. Mm. It, was all, it was all because of incompetence. You know, all of that you see in Ukraine right now with Russia going into Ukraine, uh, that would have never happened if I was president. Zero chance. And actually, even most Democrats admit it. Putin never would have done it. If I were president, Putin would have never done it. And I was honored. You know, one of the strongest leaders in the whole world right now, 
Victor Orban. Uh, he's of Hungary, and he's a very powerful leader. Hungary is, you know, actually it's a place doing very well. It does very well. Strong borders. And uh, they asked him, what do you think? What would you recommend to Biden? You probably saw this. He yes. said yep. he's got to resign. Yep. Trump has to become president. Yep. Trump had the whole world perfect. He yep. had it perfect. True. They all respected him. They listened to him. Trump has to be president. And if he's not, it's not just the United States. The whole world is going to blow up. And you have to understand, he's one of the toughest and most respected people. When he said that, even my wife, the first lady, even my wife was impressed. You know, <laughs> that's not easy. No, and he's right. Uh, he's right. And, and how do I know he's right? Because you did it. It's not a hypothetical yep. President Trump. Oh, if Trump, you were there for four years. So with all that said, and I'm glad you brought out some of the things you did so well. What is your message this morning, Mr. President, for Letitia James? Well, I just sent something out on truth, and I know a lot of your people get truth, but I just wrote it because she's been after me for years, and she's a woman that uh, used me to try and become governor, and that didn't work, but she used me also to become attorney general. And I just, should I read what I just wrote on truth? Go ahead, read it. Do you want me? I, to I mean, I, 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 I'm on Truth Social, and I and I post all the time, and I read it every day because I love than, you. It's but better ahead. than Twitter or X yes. or whatever. It's the hottest thing. Everybody should be on Truth. But so I just wrote this out in the New York State AG Letitia James, who's doing a terrible job. Look at crime all over the city; it's horrible all over the state. In that case, let's see. In the New York State AG case, Letitia James, I was targeted, given no jury. No extensions, no commercial division, no constitutional rights, no anything. The Democrat judge hates Trump with a passion, which is true. So unfair. The thing I have is a great case based on phenomenal numbers that show a net worth billions of dollars more than she viciously and falsely claimed. Very little debt, big cash, a powerful disclaimer clause, paid off loans. Loans paid off everything beautiful. No defaults. Very happy banks. Great assets. I was defamed by New York State. This is all about election interference. Well done. And, you know, I built a great company. And I have, and she comes out and sues me because she said I got a loan or loans based on statements. My statement is not as good as the facts, okay? And now they know that, and they don't really know what to do because, you know, we've gone through years of, of litigation on this thing, years. And now they understand that, and they don't know what to do. And it's a terrible situation. And I have others of that. Look at this Georgia situation, different. But it's election, it's harassment. Yep. It's, they think they're going to get more votes. So Letitia James tried to run for governor, as you know. She never got above, like, 2%. And she failed. Uh, but she became attorney general by saying, I will get Trump. I will get we got tapes all over the place screaming at everybody. I'll get Trump. I'll get Trump. Uh, and she ends up beating a lot of people, you know, beating with a very small vote. You split up the vote lots of different ways. And she becomes attorney general. And her whole thing is Trump. But now the problem is my numbers are great. I built a great company. It's a great company. Most people said, you're crazy not to just stay where you were and just relax. But we're building a great country. We're going to make America great again. And America right now is not great. America no. right now is a laughing stock yep. all over the world. So 
So that's, you know, that's what we go through. Then we have deranged Jack Smith. He's a deranged person. He's like deranged. And where is Biden, you know, like with his boxes? He's got 10 or 15 or 20 times the number of boxes. And he's not under the he wasn't covered under the Presidential Records Act. I am, which makes it totally I'm allowed to do anything. I mean, it literally now they can ask, but they can't tell. And this was passed exactly for this reason. But Biden doesn't come under that act. And what Biden did is a big problem. But he doesn't have deranged Jack Smith. So, you know, so this is what I have. It's not, it's I guess it's fun being Donald Trump, but I don't care one way or the other. People say, why do you do it? I say, I do it because we made this country so great. Then COVID came in. There's never been a period the day before COVID. Never been a period like that. Everybody, African-American, Asian-American, everybody, Hispanic, everybody had jobs, the highest paying jobs they've ever had. Uh, everybody was doing great. Women, men, suburban women, as you would say, Sid. I mean, everybody was happy. And they're happy now because they know that I'm going to keep them safe. That's the biggest thing for them. I'm going to keep them safe. We're not going to have World War Three. You're going to end up in World War Three with this stupid idiot running our country. Couldn't agree more. Person. I know. I he couldn't agree more. Good yes. in, he was never good in primetime, Sid. So nope. anyway, so we are going to make America great again. And that's why I do it. And we need you back badly. We love you. Before I let you run here in the last 60 seconds, you know, you mentioned Kemp and DeSantis, a couple of guys ended up stabbing you in the back. You know, I know your, your new book is out, Letters to Trump, which you can get at 45books.com. And what's funny about that book, too, President Trump, is Oprah, Alec Baldwin, Hillary Clinton, all these people kissed your ass. And much like DeSantis and sure. Kemp, they all came back and stabbed you in the back, right? I mean, it's kind of the same premise, right? Well, what happened in that case is when I uh, announced that I was running for politics and as a Republican, and I said, wall, we need a wall. You know, I built 500 miles of wall, which had a big impact. We had the safest border in the history of our country three years ago, and now we have the worst ever in the world. There's never been anything like this. Just take a look at Madison Avenue. Take a look at what's happening in New York, okay? It's so sad to see it. But we had the safest border, and now we have the worst. But when I announced I'm running and then I announced the wall and I announced heavy on crime and heavy on this and heavy on drugs. And, you know, I had drug use. I had drug coming into the country, the lowest it's been in 40 years. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of things. And all of a sudden, people that were absolutely very nice people, but they uh, they, you know, it didn't matter to me. I, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, they're not into building walls. Uh, you see that. They want to have open borders where the world can just pour into our country and and take everything away from our military. I mean, we're, we're treating illegal aliens better than we're treating our retired soldiers, much better. It's not even our veterans are not being treated nearly as well as people that came into the country illegally. In many cases, these are people from prisons, from mental institutions. They came in from mental insane asylums, very, very mentally sick people. Countries are dropping these people into the United States and, of course, terrorists. But they're bringing them into the United States totally unchecked. We don't they walk right into our country. We have jails are being emptied out all over the world, but all over, in particular, South America. You go and look at their jail population. Some of them have nobody there. They've dumped them all into the United States so they can attack your mother. 
Okay. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, you're right. So they can yeah. do damage, and it's a it's a horrible thing what's happening, Sid. Horrible it, to our country. It is. Well, listen. Not only are you the best president ever, but congratulations on winning your senior club championship in golf. <laughs> That's a big date. I know you love that. And uh, please, just uh, I know they're they're killing you. I know they are. But keep doing what you're doing. Keep talking because you provide so much hope and promise for so many of us, including me, who wake up every day hoping and praying that you're back on Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024 because you are the best. President Trump, well, thank, thank you for you, doing Rick. this. Thank you. You've been my friend for a long time, and you just take care. Say hello to your mother. Okay? I will. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you. Thank God you. bless you. All right. There he is, folks. Got to love that guy. Got to love that guy. I love him. 45th president, soon to be the 47th president of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. How about that? He had some nice words for Rudy Giuliani during that conversation. And we'll talk to Rudy Giuliani coming up next. The power of information. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Fourth and final hour, phone blowing up. Frankie Kravitz, Mike Sullivan, Jamie Cerner, Charlie Marino, Bill White, Ralph Napolitano, Joseph Abood, Kevin Breslin, Craig DeFrancia, Jack Manzo, Joe the Box, all uh, enjoyed the President Trump interview. Actually, hundreds of thousands of you did. He was great. He was great. And you can you can hear, you know, every time he comes on, you can hear how much more comfortable and at this point, it's uh, we got a nice friendship. And I was really happy during that conversation that unprovoked, I did not bring it up, unprovoked, President Trump brought up Rudy Giuliani. And he said he's your friend, and he's right. He's damn right. He is my friend. And uh, we got that big dinner coming up next Thursday night, September 7th, big fundraiser. I was told by Andrew, Rudy's son, we've raised almost a million dollars already. Folks are starting GoFundMe pages all over the place, which I know Rudy's a bit embarrassed about that. I know. But the truth is he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. He did nothing wrong, and it just goes to show you how many people still love Rudy Giuliani like I do. So with that said, here he is, my man, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Giuliani, how are you? You can put me down with Joe the Box. I was watching, listening to the interview, too. It was great. Uh, thank you. you both thank were you. great. You know, Sid, you're a lot of fun, and you've got a great sense of humor. You are one terrific, serious interviewer as well. So oh, just remember that. My God, thank you. I, I'm going to retire today. I got Trump and Giuliani I, saying I, nice I things. Wanted, I just want you to know that anybody, <laughs> like, anybody who, uh, uh, who underestimates you is going to make a big mistake. 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I love you. I really do. That means a lot coming from you. And I agree with you. You know, I know him for 36 years, and I can tell sometimes. He's never down, but I can sometimes tell to him he's down, all right? He's not down at all. He is pumped. He is pumped. And uh, and thank you, Bo Deedle, who just said, great interview, said you're the best. Thank you, Bo. And again, I want to bring it up, Rudy, because we know that dinner is next week, and and he brought you up, and he said, I got to tell you, he's talking about George, Rudy Giuliani did a great job. Rudy Giuliani did a great job. He said it two or three times. That's got to make your heart warm, yes? Of course it does, you know, because, uh, well, because of all that's going on. But I, look, it's that's who, that's who, he's my client. That's who counts. I mean, imagine if everybody else thought I thought did a great job, and my client thought I double crossed him. <laughs> what kind of lawyer would I be? I'd right. be the, I'd be the right. kind of lawyer they're right. trying to make me. Right. A traitor. Right. You you would be Mike. You, you'd be Michael Cohen. Job. You would be Michael Cohen at that point. Yeah, I'd be a rat. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is hard to believe that they're holding your feet to the fire because, as a lawyer, you defended your client and uh, and did nothing illegal. So it's nice to hear from the president himself that he appreciated that. But again, well, it is yes. But just two days ago, Rudy, the defamation suit came up. I mean, they are really dead set on getting you in Georgia. They're dead set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and if they don't get me, they want to get me in the newspapers because. Uh, uh, you know that the chances the chances are in Georgia they're not going to get to the finish line with that, and and if they do, there's still the Georgia Supreme Court, and it's not a foregone conclusion in the Georgia Supreme Court. Also, the chances of removal, I'd say they're better than average. Uh, so they're not sure they're going to get me, and that's why they're putting out all this publicity now, because they want to make it appear as if they have gotten me. You see what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, uh, yep. it, you don't see you don't see Smith doing that because Smith thinks he's going to get a shot at Trump, and then he thinks maybe he can. Uh, stupid though he is, he thinks maybe I'll cave. <laughs> he thinks metals will cave. He mm-hmm. thinks this one will cave. They even put out articles that we have caved. I saw something. And that was one of the cheapest. That right. was one of the cheapest tricks you could do yep. when you were investigating the mafia. In fact, you could get people killed doing that. And I, I. Uh, I knew some prosecutors and, and, and FBI agents who did that. They go to a mafia guy and they'd say, you got to tell me about Fat Tony. He'd say, what are you, crazy? They'll kill me. He said, well, I'm going to put out an article you're writing anyway. Oof. So what good, do you, what good does it do? Oh my now, God. you take a guy like that and you put the agent in jail when he does that because that is exactly what they are. They are those kinds of FBI agents and prosecutors. They are you know, no different than if they work for the Nazis. or the. And in my day... We, we 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 ferreted them out. We got rid of them early. It seems to me that these guys have had entire careers. Smith has been Smith has been in trouble so often. I don't I don't see a legitimate case he ever prosecuted. You know, my uh, beautiful wife Danielle, who you know very well, or know very well, Rudy. She uh, she just sent me a question. It's a good question. She's an attorney, as you know, Rudy. Mm-hmm, I know. And she said, "Doesn't Rudy have some sort of qualified immunity in representation of his client?" I do. She's 100% right, and it's going to be raised. Uh, the president has an excellent defense of complete immunity to what uh, Fannie Willis charged him with. Uh, it really requires an interpretation of Fitzgerald against Nixon, Teller. Fitzgerald against Nixon held that the president was immune for acts performed as official acts, even if he was charged with wrongdoing. 
And basically they say you have no recourse against that. We have to accept that. And we have to hope that the political process and the impeachment process takes care of that. Now, the question is, they never answered the final issue. Does that immunity cover a criminal case? There's no reason to think it doesn't, and his lawyers, I'm sure I'm not giving away anything, are going to raise that. If he has that, then I have it as his agent because all I am, all I am is a um, – I'm a substitution for Donald Trump because you can't represent yourself. Your lawyer is a substitute for you. So if he has that privilege, as long as I'm doing it as part of what he asked me to do, then I have the same immunity, and so does Meadows, by the way. Right. Uh, that's so what Danielle that's is right. a very, yep. very interesting defense. It is not – I mean, I think uh, Professor Dershowitz would tell you it's one of those things never decided where the odds are more in favor of the argument we're making than not. But that could throw the whole case out. And also, you got to remember, courts are no different than anyone else. If they look at this case and they say it stinks, they're going to look for a way to throw it out. And just depending on if you don't get a, a, uh, a Trump deranged judge who can't see the world anymore because his hatred and his ideology has blocked his ability to reason or her ability to reason. You know, it sucks, though. They'll throw this thing out because, again, you've got you've got a great defense. But that's great. But, you know, it still costs you millions and millions of dollars. And there are some people. Right. I mean, so it gets thrown out, but like you already got screwed a bunch along the way. Doesn't seem fair, does it? It's not fair. It's called, uh, I don't know who gave it this word, I, this, this, this description, but it's perfect. It's called punishment by process. Whether you're guilty or not guilty, by just bringing the charge, they bankrupt you, destroy you, and then half the people still believe it. Look, the Times wrote an article the other day reminding people that my house was raided and my law office. Well, that's good, but they don't put the conclusion in. The FBI concluded that investigation with an extraordinary letter to the grand jury saying we found no evidence against the man. And we investigated him, went back 20 years of his life, and we surreptitiously listened and looked at his, uh, his, uh, his Apple account. That's a pretty deep investigation. Yeah. To find nothing wrong. By the way, it spans what Fannie Willis investigated, and they found nothing wrong with it. But they don't point that out. According to the Times reader, unless they are listening to Newsmax or, or us or something, I'm, I'm still under investigation for that. It concluded a year ago with an unbelievable victory. You know how few people get a letter like that? <laughs> But nobody gets that. They don't get it. I mean, it's just kept out of the that's – the, that's what they're hoping to work. And what we have to work is our network has to grow and grow and grow, meaning the network that gets the information out. And the good news is we're growing slowly, but we're growing. Why the hell do you think people want to vote for Trump? Because somehow, some way, they get the information. A lot of this stuff never appears in 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 uh, the Times or the or NBC. NBC, I don't think covered the alleg- the recent allegations against Biden at all. None, zero. No, they're the worst. I mean, but of all people, of them. But, but think about it, Sid. People know about it. Yep. And they're um, we we got a poll from the Times that they're tied 
which means he's 10 points ahead, I guarantee you. <laughs> it's true. Right. And by the way, there are polls where he's 10 points ahead, so yeah. I'm not just yeah. pulling that out of the air. I mean, that doesn't mean it'll – don't get – that doesn't mean it won't stay that way because I've told him this and I keep telling him this. Don't think they're done. If this doesn't work, I don't know what they'll do next, but they'll do something. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that's true, too. I do. What you, is... know, you know what you and I worry about, right? Well, you tell me. I worry about if they can't get them any other way, is there some nut that, that will get all excited? Well, no, well you, you know, to, to, to your point, you bring that up, Rudy, and, and I do worry about that, of being completely honest. And you know who made that point just two days ago? Tucker Carlson. He was on a you podcast. Know, I, remember, I remember, and I said yeah. to myself, Tucker, I, I, you know, Somehow I, I I felt this you know for years, and I don't express it because it's like a, you think of it maybe as a self fulfilling prophecy or something, but I think we're at the point now where I don't know what are the games they can play, and they've shown they'll do anything. They'll completely prostitute themselves. They they commit federal crimes that would put a normal person in jail for the rest of their lives in order to get in. Uh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I know. Yeah. And no disrespect to the Bushes. I mean, I liked 41 much more than 43. And I know 43 worked very close with you during 9-11. And he was great. I at, liked at doing... them both. Yeah, me too. But but the last really great Republican president before Trump was Reagan, and they shot him. Don't forget. So you know, There's no doubt he, he was the last great Republican president. He was the greatest Republican president of the 20th century. I think he was one of the two greatest presidents of the 20th century, him and Roosevelt, for a different reason. I mean, yeah. Roosevelt yeah. had an impact on freeing people in Europe, and he freed Eastern Europe. You look back, and, though. And he's the best, and he, Trump is the best model that we got of a Ronald Reagan. Agreed. He's he's almost almost the same guy. He's got to win that second term. But now that I got you, I'm not letting you go so quick, uh, because Good. we're uh, we're only 10 days away. Today's September the 1st, and every time I move that calendar to, to September, uh, I think about you. Yeah. yeah, we're 10 days away, and, and Bush, of course, was the president, and, and he was terrific. He really was. Yankee Stadium, the bullhorn, all those things that went horribly wrong in the second term. But uh, 22 years later, and I'll talk to you on that day, too, but 22 years later, Rudy Giuliani, does it feel like yesterday still? Yeah. There are times that it does, and there are times that it feels like ancient history. It, <laughs> it, it, it depends on what I remember. It depends on what comes back. It can be a, it can be a, a horrible, horrible memory that I have to kind of cut off, or it can be something very uh, – uh, very uplifting. You know, I once said it was the worst day and the best day. And, of course, the liberal press went crazy on me about the how could it be the best day, only because you want to misunderstand me. What I meant by the best day was the tremendous acts of heroism, of course, by our firefighters and police officers. I shouldn't say, of course, they were extraordinary. But I, one of the big memories I have is all, all the construction workers, about 5 o'clock, they come walking down there. It looks like they were invading. And, you know, they're all big guys, and they have been working during the day, and they were dirty. And I, I, so I go up to the biggest guy in front, and I said, what are you guys doing? And he said, Mayor, you were great today. We're coming down to help you. I said, we don't have uniforms and stuff for you. And he said, look, uh, we decided uh, we can pick up heavy stuff. You know we can pick up heavy stuff, anything. Mm -hmm. you got Anything you got out there, I got somebody who can pick it up. Mm -hmm. So put us in with the fire department. We've helped them before. They'll know what to do with us. I said, I don't know. You're too big a guy for me to cry in front of, but uh, this you don't know how much you've just lifted my spirits. This is, I'll, I'll be going on this for the next 
24 hours. Don't worry. And I put them in with the fire department. What we had left of the fire department, we lost our top command just about. And immediately they're putting stuff on them. These guys are going in there and they're picking up these big pieces of steel. They're putting on these gloves because some of them are burning. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, what kind of heroism is this? It comes out of nowhere, right mm. out of their belly. Mm. Unreal. And that kept us going. I, I, I think uh, uh, Bernie would tell you the same thing. And Tommy Von Essen and, unfortunately, Richie Shearer, who was my, my emergency guy, they were my three, you know, rocks. I just rested on this. If I gave them something to do, I didn't have to worry about it. Mm. I know. Those, uh, Bernie done, Carrick, all those guys. Better yeah. than I did. Yep, they were great. And, and, and Rudy Washington, who's on with John a lot, nobody – he's so soft-spoken. Nobody has any idea what a hero that guy was. He set up in two hours the entire transportation scheme for the most complicated 10 blocks in history hmm. because he understood hmm. transportation hmm. so well because yeah. of the construction business he was in where he always had trouble getting stuff in and out of the city. He is a, a super guy. I, I like him. Yeah, I actually, I actually filled in for John Katzmatidis on MLK Day. He was on the way to Pennsylvania, and Rudy was one of my in-studio hosts along with John that day, and he was terrific. So um, I want to leave you with this, Rudy, and we'll talk to you again, obviously, 9-11. Going back to the conversation with Trump, and he thanked you, and it was really nice, unprovoked and really nice. We know the dinner is coming up next Thursday. There are GoFundMe pages out there, and yeah, I know I you. I appreciate that very much. I know you do, and I know I know you. You got you're probably a little embarrassed, but the truth is, you oh, need yeah. it. But you need it, right? I mean, all kidding aside, know, you need it. I know, it. I know, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it not only to defend myself, but also to get some of these people so we can we can uh, we can continue to educate. I mean, there are an awful lot of people that defamed me and Trump. And maybe we got to start calling them out, too, and go on offense a little bit. I'd love to see that. Look, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and money, millions are concerned, you're a hero, uh, especially this time of year, man. We love you. I'm glad that dinner is taking place next week. You sound great today. You sound like you're in pretty good spirits. And Amer- I am. I am. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm like, he, like him. If, if I've got a cause and I believe in it, it, it covers, you know, it, it, it covers everything else. You're going to be okay because America loves you. We all love you. So you're going to be okay. And just keep fighting, Rudy, and keep calling my show because I love you. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know I enjoy your show immensely. And a great Thank interview you. again with Thank the uh, with the real president. <laughs> Thank you, Rudy. A great interview with you, too. I love you. Thank you. Have a good weekend, pal. All right. Take care. There he is, the great mayor himself, Rudy Giuliani. And make sure you tune in 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon right here on WABC. For my guy, Rudy. And help him, folks. Don't help him. Throw him 100 bucks. Uh, somebody just sent me a text. I think two people actually just. Uh, Pat Russo. Pat Russo, who is a great cop, he just donated $1,000 to Rudy's fund literally moments ago. Oh, the texts are coming in. He's one of three. Go help him out, folks. America's mayor, true hero and super guy, Rudy Giuliani. I'm not done yet. Keep it ready.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Ah, the great Neil Diamond. Look at Sophia Perez dancing back there. You like Neil Diamond, Sophie? Really? Glad to hear that. It's been a great show. Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Joe Tacopino, Rudy Giuliani, President Donald Trump. Pretty good show. We're going to end it with um, Light Note in a pretty serious program. And uh, we're going to do it with my dear friend Peter Cordio, who has uh, at this point become like my best friend, especially in my Hollywood circles, which now include Gravesend and something else we've done together. A great actor, by the way, a terrific guy. And his buddy Dave Jacobson, and the reason why we're playing Neil Diamond is, according to Peter Dave, a lot of guys do Sinatra. we got Joe Piscopo. He's the best ever. I think the other guys do it, like Mike Martucci and my friend Maglio, Steve Maglio. But according to um, to Peter, you do the best Neil Diamond ever. Well, thank you, Peter. Well, is that true? You know, is that what well? You, you know, it, it's not a matter of the best. See, everyone, the different takes on on Neil Diamond. There's some people take him in today. Some people take him when he was younger. I kind of find the middle ground. Oh, where, I like that. You know, because when singers get older, they start to talk their words. Oh, they you know? do. Right. And, and when they're younger, they're a little bit softer. Yes. So my yeah. my take on Neil Diamond is more about the 1980s, which is really when he's still singing. So I appreciate the compliment. Well, you're a young guy, though. How old are you? I'm 60. Oh, wow. You look great for your I, age. I, I never would have thought that. Yeah. Well, that, thanks to Pete. Oh, he keeps you in shape, too? <laughs> he does. Yeah. yeah, me, too. He's down 25 pounds in six months. Yeah. Oh, and you're a handsome guy. So. Thank you, man. I had to fit into those outfits, you know, those Neil well, Diamond Actually, outfits. I see a little, but now that I look at it, <laughs> oh, come on, man. I can tell there was a time you were fat, and oh, now no. you look great. I was never fat. You were I just was, heavy. I was. I wasn't even heavy. I was two hundred and twenty-five pounds. No, that's fine. You know that's fine. You know, but, uh, but but you look amazing. Hey, but I'm right six now. foot. So you know. how did you lose all that weight? I'm just curious. Sixty years old. I always said, you know, you you age from your legs up, and you know when you start walking and you start to trip on a concrete yeah. platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. I you swear know, to God. I'm telling you. So I actually decided at, when I turned sixty to get into shape. The Neil Diamond thing came to me, and it was very very important. Uh, to... what, what do you mean the Neil Diamond thing came to you? Well, it's like, it like Eric Adams, where God called him in his sleep. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> People have told me my whole life, I always love to sing. I'm a musician, play the guitar, the piano, and so forth. But okay. everyone, you know, told me over the years that my tenor voice sounds just like Neil Diamond. Well, you know, for me, for example, because it was about me, I used to, uh, <laughs> my uh, family events, and I'm not very good, but I would always sing The Summer One by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. That's the one song I'm going to do okay. And I did it at bar mitzvahs, at weddings. So were you that type of guy at your cousin's wedding? Hey, I'm going to sing, you know, uh, Sweet Caroline. You know what? I was never into Neil Diamond. It's the strangest thing. When I was young, I sang Frank Sinatra at the karaoke. I did a lot of Sinatra, and I had that crooner-type voice, and I used to love singing that stuff. But for some reason, as time went on, I appreciated Neil Diamond's music, 
And I just found, see, the thing is when you sing, if you sing other people's music after two or three songs, you can't sing anymore. Uh-huh. So you're done. Your voice starts cracking and yeah, it gets annoying. Yeah, yeah. So what I did with Neil Diamond, I could do 20, 30 songs and, and all night long I could sing because it was in my wheelhouse. No so, kidding. Yeah, so it, that was very important as a singer to do is that. Is there one song, though, one Neil Diamond song that is, uh, it sounds like Sweet Caroline may be difficult, no? Easy, that's easy. You know what? It's, it's, it's difficult in the sense that well, most people are drunk when they hear it. So, yeah, it, you know, it's drunk. so, right, yeah, right. Yeah, he, yeah. It's usually the last song that they play, so you yeah. can get away with it. Yeah. But, but, you know, his stuff is, is very unique in his phrasing and the way he sings. What's your favorite Neil Diamond song? Oh, man. I know you, that's tough. You know what? I love, um, uh, September Morn. Oh, I love that song. Love on the Rocks. That, oh, come on. See, I, let me tell you, those yeah. songs come on right now, and yeah. I'm a, I'm as heterosexual as anybody. I'll make out with both of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you want to know something? When people hear the, the the Neil Diamond songs, the way you reacted to that, yeah, they actually one after another. I didn't know that was him. I didn't know that was him. That's my favorite. So you well, have the younger people, right? The right. younger people, right? The yeah. older people, even the older people. Yeah. People don't know he did. Uh, really? he, he did the monkey song. You know, uh, I'm a believer. Oh, of course he did. That was his song. Of but, course. But they, they didn't know that. They didn't know that. You know, when uh, Peter Gordio was uh, with uh, the very famous porn star, Amber Lynn, <laughs> the first time they made love was to actually that song, <laughs> sung by Neil Diamond, that was playing well, in the that's, background. That's, I'll keep that in mind next time I see <laughs> Is that true, Peter? Is there any truth to that? There's no truth uh, to that, Mr. Rosenberg. Well, there is truth to you but and Amber Lynn. True, what is true, that you wanted to use Neil Diamond's song for your wedding. That, no, I used it. Oh, you did use That's it. That's unbelievable you remember that. Yeah, I thought and it's, you, it's oh, a you song that no it. one's ever heard of. In fact, I can't even tell you the title right now. I know it goes... Um, was it a, sl- a slow song? A or? very slow song. No, it was Push, Push in the Bush. It was my first wedding song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the name but of that it, song? It could be Play Me. Oh, If There Were No Dreams. If There Were, if no, there dreams. were no Dreams. You know that song? You know what? I'm afraid to tell you. Lou, Lou, get that song. We'll play it for Dave on the way out. No one's ever, my wife, she was furious to this day. She goes, no one's ever heard of that song. Wow. And you we, know what? I don't. I think my father or my cousin, Normie Robbins, made me do it. I don't know. So do you notice, so that when you do these songs, that Sweet Caroline gets yeah. the biggest, um, I guess, it, it does. participation? You know, we do a 22, you know, we're playing tomorrow night. You know, we do it. Where are you going to be? We're going to be at the uh, Smithtown Pack. It's just about sold out. There's maybe about six or seven seats left. That's so, a nice venue. It's a nice, it's a hundred year old venue, beautifully redone seats and carpets, absolutely gorgeous. And, um, but the, um, so you asked me my favorite song. Yeah. What's your favorite? No diamond song. I don't really have one. I, I have okay. to tell you, it, it's what I like to sing the most. And Sweet Caroline is not my favorite. Well, what, to sing. What, what, what's, by the way, you're very good at radio. Very good. You had a good voice. You, you keep up very it. well. Your, your cadence is perfect. Well, in my day life, I have a podcast. I do stuff. Oh, is that so, what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, See, so. everybody's a radio star. You do, you do a podcast, but you're actually no, good. No, yeah. You're good. So, Thank what, you. what, um, what song is your favorite besides that? Um, well, the easy, what song do you find you sing the best? I should say you, you sing the best. Love on the Rocks. Ain't no big surprise. Oh, yeah. Or oh, hello. Oh, you see, that's the reaction. It's like, what? He does that too? Yeah, on and on. Which, I mean, Hello yeah. is a great song. It's a great now, song. Now, that, that was uh, the jazz singer. Of that's course. right. Yossel! Yossel! Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Ripped his shirt, the whole that's thing. Right. And he actually yeah. was a good actor in uh, in that. So uh, so tomorrow night is at the Smithtown Pack. Yes. And then what else is uh, what's, what else is? You know what? Out? We have, right, we're, we're booking some jobs for the fall, and we'll, we're also looking to go down to Florida. You know, we got the... the Oh, Neil, they would love you. Neil, exactly. Oh, you bro, know. you go to Kings Point. You yes, go to, yes. um, oh, that's one good place in Delray Beach. You go to, uh, what's your other one? Village uh, with a C. Um, Century Village. Century Village. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you're good looking too. They'll love you. Yeah. Well, oh. Uh, you know, it, Are you married? I am married. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, if you want to bang an 85 year old. <laughs> <laughs> 
love you down there. You start uh, singing Love on the Rocks. And, oh, my God, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> so how old were you when you actually started to enjoy Neil Diamond? It came later. You know what? He came it, very late, very late. I always knew his music, and I actually saw him at Jones Beach, uh, one of his last concerts, maybe about seven or eight, nine years ago, and I just started to realize that I just, it's it's my wheelhouse. I love the music, and uh, it's it's just a lot of fun to sing. It really is. Yeah. It really is fun. My wife, Danielle, is even texting me now. I mean, she, she's so mad about that song. I mean, uh, we talked. Uh, it was the same time Brian Adams' a big hit came yes, out uh, from yeah. the Robin Hood movie. Yes, ninety um, uh, two. Um, yeah, I can have it in my head, but I yeah, you can hear the music yeah. yes, and all that yes, right yes. now. But anyway, that, that, you have that song, Lou. Uh, if there were no dreams by Neil Diamond, we'll play it on the way out. Uh, just one more time, folks. Tomorrow night, Smithtown Pack, and a lot more dates coming up in the fall. He's yeah. going to go to Florida. And uh, Peter Gordio, what's new with you? Tell me something good. Okay. Um, I have a project that I'm going to be doing October 5th. Yeah. It's the Columbus Day celebration. And I've also invited you to the Columbus Day Parade. Correct. Yeah. We're going to be on the Columbus Day Parade. Right, correct. Right. And that's uh, going to be a dinner and a show. I have uh, Mike Marino, who's going to be featured. Do you do all of his shows now, Mike? He's very funny. Yeah, very yeah good. I do. Okay, I do. good. Yeah, good. When, you know, when he's on the East Coast. Right. And you do stand-up, too, when he And I that. do stand-up with Mike also, yes. And Sal Lacasio. He's, he's going to be headlining, and he's going to do all Sinatra, Tony Bennett, um, Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, no. after the loving. Yeah. Don't even bring that up. Yeah, though. it's going to be great. It's going oh, to be great. So like everyone great come night. out to El Baco. It's in Little Neck, Queens. Oh, great place. And uh, you can call the restaurant and book your reservation. Look at you. Movie star. Yeah. Right? Look at him. He's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> he really, he really yeah. is. Nicest guy in the world. By the way, can I punch this? NeilForever.com. That's one thing I didn't say. It's NeilForever.com. And that's your website? That's the website they can see the us and where Okay, we so the main, the main question uh, still is out there, which is, has Neil Diamond ever reached out to you and said, oh, my God, thank you for keeping me going? Sid, we're doing this since January. There are people who have been doing this for 20 years, the, yeah. the tribute. We're doing this since January. It's a 14-piece band, four-piece horn section. It's a big deal. But we are now at a point where we're doing theaters. So it's, it's, he has not heard about us. Okay. Yet. But he will. Now he does. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. And he can't perform anymore. We're honored to be out there really just keeping his legacy and keeping the music going. It's, and the young people hearing it for the first time is incredible. You're an incredibly likable guy. Uh, this whole conversation was brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out. PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. On the way out, this was, in fact, our first dance, June 25th, 1992, 31 years ago. This is Neil Diamond. If there were no dreams, go see my man Jacobson tomorrow night at the Smith Pack. We'll be back right after this.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Margot Martin works the Trump. She's, um, she runs his office. She says the president really enjoyed it. What a great interview. Thank you, Sid. That's nice. I know the president himself actually spoke to you, Justin, didn't he? Yeah. What did he say? He said he had a blast. It was a He used that word, blast? No, he said it was a great time. All right. And uh, and then I said, we really appreciate your time, Mr. President. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, why did you talk so much to him like that? I didn't really. It literally was like a six, talk six, so much, like a six-second conversation. Funny. Well, I was going to ask him about what he, his outlook on the birds for the season, but I didn't. No. He doesn't even like football anymore. No, he's mad at the NFL. Yeah. He owned the uh, Jersey Generals. They had season tickets. Mm-hmm. But look how far your career has come. I mean, oh my God, he's talking to Trump now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like a couple of years ago, you were like. Getting water for Judge Deneen. And... <laughs> Running around for Levin. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Right. Cleaning up Levin's dog poop. <laughs> Literally. Now you, I mean, I heard you, too, because I, I had to ask Lou something. So we had the audio on inside your room. There, of course, the glass, of course. Mm. And I heard you talking to President Trump. I'm like... Mr. Trump, thank, thank, again, that was great, Mr. Trump. Uh, yeah, as crazy as it is that I talk to Trump and Takapina's his attorney, you talking to Trump is un- I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, he's a human being just like you and me, you know? No, he's not anything like you. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God. Justin. I love when people say that. He puts his pants on just like you do. Uh, well, how do you know yeah. I put my pants on? Yeah, you know, I actually true. lay down in the bed sometimes and put my legs straight up in the air like a girl. <laughs> do I actually do that? Do you really do that? <laughs> Two legs at a time. Yeah, sometimes or I do it that way. You know, half the time. Pants on. You're going to put yeah. one leg at a time? I'm better than you. I put them on two legs at once. Thank you. Oh, really? That's yes. a lot of talent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd use the same word, talent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Stick my legs right up in the well, air. You know, people, when people try to, to take to take famous people and make them seem like they're not more important, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let me say this to you with the utmost uh, seriousness. And not to demean anybody, because I love all of you out there. I love you all. I'm serious. Okay, I really do. Everybody listen loud. Take a, t- yeah, take a good listen. Listen, yeah. listen to this. I love you all. And without you, I've got nothing. Let's be honest. <laughs> but let me say this to you right now. <laughs> Insert your own line here because you know what's coming. Each and every one of you that's listening right now outside my wife. Each and every one of you. You better get more qualifications ready. <laughs> is less important than Donald Trump. And, in fact, if somebody needs a kidney today, he's going to get it before you. Thank God. Well, don't be upset about it. This is the way it is. 
This just in. Two people were online at the Kidney Center. Donald Trump and Paul Rodriguez. Paul Rodriguez was a veteran of 17 years. And Donald Trump somehow got the kidney. <laughs> Get over it. We'll be back with the update on this amazing story right after this. See you.